Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash The Rob Burgess Show. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Rob Burgess Show. I'm, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 32nd episode, our returning guest is Jonathan Fowler. But before we get to that, I need to take a moment to tell you about our sponsor. For you, the listeners of the Rob Burgess Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Whatever book you pick, you can exchange it at any time, you can cancel at any time, and the books are yours to keep. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash The Rob Burgess Show. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash The Rob Burgess Show for your free audiobook. Comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review everywhere the podcast is available, whether it's iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Facebook, Twitter, TuneIn, or RSS. You can find links to everything on the official website, www dot the rob burgess show.com you can also find out more about me by visiting my website www.thisburgess.com back to today's show you first heard jonathan fowler on episodes 2 10 20 21 29 30 and 31 of the podcast jonathan graduated with a ba in history from indiana university in 2006 he is an unabashed left-wing political junkie he has lived and worked in south korea for over nine years trying to help the citizens of that great nation hopefully talk pretty one day. And now, on to the show. Hello? Hey, Cha. Hey, Bob, how are you? Good, good. How are you, man? Oh, doing okay. Just, uh... Yeah, actually putting the finishing touches on notes for the uh, for the debate here. But yeah, I think I'm pretty well good to go. Okay. Yeah, quite a quite a lot has happened since uh, <laughs> since our last uh, recording here. Uh, I didn't even know if I should put out the uh, vice presidential one because I wasn't even sure that Pence was going to be the vice presidential <laughs> candidate by the time uh, by the time I put it out. So I didn't know if it was all going to be a bunch of work for nothing at that point. So, but he appears to be sticking with the. Uh, yeah. With the ticket, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody, a lot of people, the people who are locked in place don't seem to be going anywhere. Even if uh, Trump and Pence don't agree on Syria and they don't talk about it, which Trump admitted in this debate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even some people that have uh, renounced him over the weekend seem to have kind of re-entered the fold, so it only lasted a couple hours if they had any crisis of faith or whatever, so it seems to have uh, died down or I don't know what, but... Yeah, there's, well, I think some people are gone, but yeah, I think it's like, they think that he's going to be able to weather the storm, but I, I think... 
I think, I don't know if I mentioned on the last one, but I said it's going to be like a Cosby situation where more and more stuff is going to keep coming out about uh, more and more sexual abuse and, you know, uh, unwelcome groping and lewd comments and stuff. And I think that's, I think that's definitely kind of come to pass. In well, fact, the Daily Beast, I believe, yeah, yeah they, they had an article today, just a bit ago, by Gideon Resnick, who it's called All of Donald Trump's Accusers, a timeline of every alleged grope and assault. And it has a list of uh, <laughs> numerous ones, mm-hmm. uh, starting with, in the early 1980s, they say Jessica Leeds, she was flying first class, and Trump moved the armrest, started groping her, and she says he was like an octopus, his hands were everywhere, trying to go up her skirt and on her top and everything, and her, uh, her torso and so forth. Um, 1989, Ivana Trump said she felt violated during sex, felt like rape uh, after she commented on his hair plug remove or his hair plug surgeries or something like that. But then she later like she later came out and said, "I didn't mean rape in like the legal sense. She meant something else." Uh, there was Jill Harth, who was a makeup artist. She was in Ivanka's bedroom, his daughter's bedroom, while her boyfriend was in the next room, and Donald Trump tried to make a move. Um, Miss Teen USA contestants looked at, he looked at naked underage girls backstage uh, as young as 15, and he apparently told them all, don't worry, ladies, I've seen it all before. And he's also been on the Howard Stern Show to talk about how he enjoys doing these uh, pageants because he's the owner of the pageant, so he can go backstage to, uh, how does he put it, to, you know, make sure everything's going okay or something and look around. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that was 1997. In 2003, Mindy McGillivray, I, I think I might have misspelled her name, but she was at Mar-a-Lago when she was 23. Donald Trump grabbed her ass. 2005, Rachel Crooks, uh, post-handshake kissing. 2005, the video with Billy Bush talking about Nancy O'Dell trying to seduce a married woman before she got breast implants and uh, he moved on her like a bitch and uh, etc. cetera. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and she's still very beautiful. I moved on her actually. You know, she was down in Palm Beach. I moved on her, and I failed. I'll admit it. Whoa. I did try and fuck her. She was married. Huge news there. No, Nancy. Yeah. No, this was. And I moved on her very heavily. In fact, I took her out furniture shopping. She wanted to get some furniture. I said, I'll show you where they have some nice furniture. <laughs> I took her out furniture. I moved on her like a bitch, but I couldn't get there, and she was married. And all of a sudden, I see her. She's now got the big phony tits and everything. She's totally changed her look. She's your girl's hot as shit in the purple. Whoa. 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 Yes. Whoa. Yes, the Donald Escort. Whoa. <laughs> oh, my man. Wait, wait. You got to look at me when you get out of your life. That is very you give me the thumbs up? Look at you. You are a piece. You got to put the thumbs up. You got to okay. get the thumbs up. Can't be too happy. else off first? Yeah, let me. It's very funny. You got to give me the thumbs up. Uh, you and I will walk there. Maybe it's a different one. Better not be the publicist. No, it's it's her. It's yeah, that's her with the gold. I gotta use some Tic Tacs just in case I start kissing her. You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. You just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab them by the pussy. Do anything. Uh, those legs. All I can see is the legs. No, it looks good. Come on, Shorty. Oh, nice legs, huh? Oof, get out of the way, honey. That's good legs. Go ahead. It's always good if you don't fall out of the bus.
Like Ford, Gerald Ford, remember? <laughs> Down below. Pull the half. Hello, how are you? Hi. Trump, how nice are you? seeing you. Terrific. Nice to meet you. Terrific. You know Billy Bush? Hello, how are you? nice to see you. How are you doing, Ariane? I'm doing very well, thank you. Are you ready to be a soap star? We're ready. Let's go. Make right. me a soap star. How about absolutely. a little hug for the Donnelly? Just got off the bus. Like a little okay, hug, absolutely. <laughs> Melania said this was okay. I just got off the bus. Oh. <laughs> bushy, bushy. There we go. There we go. Excellent. Well, you've got a nice co star here. Good. Yes. Absolutely. After you. Come on, Billy. Don't be shy. As soon as a beautiful woman shows up, he just he takes Get over here, Billy. I'm sorry. Come here. Uh, let the little guy in there. Come yeah, on. let the little guy in. How do you feel now? Better? I should actually. It's hard to walk next to a guy like here, this. Yeah, you get in the middle. There we go. Good. That's better. This is much better. This right. is. That's better. Now, if you had to choose, honestly, between one of us, me or the Donald, no, I don't know. That's tough competition. Right yeah. Seriously, I mean, you had to, you had to take one of us as a date. You have to take a fifth on that one. Really? <laughs> yep. I'll take both. Which way? Make it right. Here we go. Goodbye. Right in the days. Here he goes. I'm gonna leave you here. Okay. Get my microphone. Okay. You're gonna. Oh, you're you're finished. You're my man. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm gonna go do our show. Oh, you want to reset? Okay. Uh. Natasha Stoinoff, pregnant when pregnant Melania was upstairs. Donald Trump tried forced kissing, and, and after he went to show her a tremendous room, he said, then said, you know we're going to have an affair, don't you? Uh, she was a People magazine reporter following Donald Trump. And then the butler came in, and he said, Melania's coming back down, and that's when he stopped. Um, in 2010, apparently, Aaron Burnett's friend, I think Aaron Burnett was on CNN or maybe in NBC, and she said uh, that one of her friends told her that Trump took Tic Tacs, suggested I take them also, and they leaned in, catching me off guard, and kissed me almost on the lips. I was really freaked out, and they told her how special I am and asked her to call him. 2013, Cassandra Searles, Miss Washington from the Miss USA contest, repeated ass grabbing invitations to a hotel room. And this, and this, you know, this was late breaking news today that I saw that on Entertainment, Entertainment Tonight's 1992 Christmas special footage was released, where Donald Trump is standing like below an escalator, and he says to an adolescent girl, "Are you going up the escalator?" She's like, "Yeah." And then he immediately turns to the cameraman's like, "I'm going to be dating her in 10 years. Can you believe it?" <laughs> so that one didn't even make the list on the Daily Beast article because it's just like another thing. Thursday night. You going up the escalator? I'm going to be dating her in 10 years. Can you believe it? So, total Bill Cosby situation or whatever, where mm -hmm. this guy, you know, it's clear this is a total pattern of behavior. And so, all yes. these idiots who have continued, who have like, ah, I think he's going to weather the storm. I think I can, you know, safely continue to endorse him for the Republican mm -hmm. Party. It's going to get worse, and it's going to get worse, and it's going to get worse, and everybody's going to have an egg on their face by the time it's over. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, did you see his uh, video? I wouldn't even call it an apology, but whatever that was uh, after the Billy Bush thing <laughs> came out. Yeah, yeah, people people are calling it the hostage video. <laughs> For good reason. But, like, uh, it was the total classic non-apology, I'm sorry if you were offended. Not really, like, I'm sorry for saying what I did or doing what I did. Not, it was like, well, I'm sorry if you were offended. Like, it's like... <laughs> I've never said I'm a perfect person, nor pretended to be someone that I'm not. I've said and done things I regret, and the words released today on this more than a decade-old video are one of them. Anyone who knows me knows these words don't reflect 
who I am. I said it, I was wrong, and I apologize. I've traveled the country talking about change for America, but my travels have also changed me. I've spent time with grieving mothers who've lost their children, laid off workers whose jobs have gone to other countries, and people from all walks of life who just want a better future. I have gotten to know the great people of our country, and I've been humbled by the faith they've placed in me. I pledge to be a better man tomorrow and will never, ever let you down. Let's be honest. We're living in the real world. This is nothing more than a distraction from the important issues we're facing today. We are losing our jobs. We're less safe than we were eight years ago, and Washington is totally broken. Hillary Clinton and her kind have run our country into the ground. I've said some foolish things, but there's a big difference between the words and actions of other people. Bill Clinton has actually abused women, and Hillary has bullied, attacked, shamed, and intimidated his victims. We will discuss this more in the coming days. See you at the debate on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he, he's, well, I mean, you know, that's the closest we've ever had to an apology from him, I think. That's yeah. true. Baby steps. Baby yeah. Steps. But uh, what do you think of, I mean, because I've, you know, I've, I've of course, uh, encountered the, the Trump acolytes, and I think you can just basically call it a cult of personality now, because there's really nothing he can do or say. It seems like he's going to shake these core people off at this point, um, who who are just like, yeah, but Bill Clinton, and of course, you know, we saw that, um, press conference before the uh, debate. I don't know if you saw that with uh, several uh, Bill Clinton accusers and uh, one of the the woman that uh, you know Hillary Clinton defended the rapist of her when she was a public defender or whatever. Um, so it's like this whole like Pee Wee Herman. I know you are. I know. I know you are. But what am I or whatever? Like it just it's. I know you are, but what am I? You're a nerd. I know you are, but what am I? You're an idiot. I know you are, but what am I? 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 Infinity. No, I'm not. You are. No way. Knock it off. Cut it out. Oh, shut up, Pee-wee. Why don't you make me? Why don't you make me? Because I don't make monkeys. I just train them. Uh, but, you know, Bill Clinton is not running for president. And uh, and I don't know how much you can really point the finger at, at Hillary for her spouse's infidelities. Not to mention the fact that I thought this was the party of family values and she's trying to keep her marriage together. So I, is this really better than divorcing? I don't know. Like, it, it's kind of strange to me. That's the go-to defense at this point. Yeah. Well, I will say I didn't see the press, the press conference. I think I was able to find a snippet of it from YouTube or something, and they basically just said that they were supporting Trump. Mm-hmm. You ready? You ready? Mr. Trump, does your star power allow you to touch women without their consent? So uh, thank you very much for coming, and these four very courageous women have asked to be here, and it was our honor to help them. And I think they're each going to make just an individual short statement, and then we will we're going to have a little meeting, and uh, we'll see you at the debate. Okay. Perhaps we'll start with Paula. Well, I'm here to support um, Mr. Trump because he's going to make America great again. And I think everybody else should vote for him. And I think they should all look at the fact that um, he's a good person. He's not... Um, 
what other people have been saying he's been like Hillary. So think about that. Kathy Shelton. Yes, I'm also here to support Trump. Um, I, uh, at 12 years old, Hillary put me through um, something that you would never put a 12-year-old through. Um, and she says she's for women and children. And she was asked last year on what happened, and she says she's supposed to defend whether they did it or not. And now she's laughing on tape, saying she know they did it. You went through a lot. Yes, yes, sir, I did. Okay. Hi, I'm I'm Winnie Broderick, and I'm here to support Donald Trump. I've tweeted recently, and Mr. Trump retweeted it, that actions speak louder than words. Mr. Trump may have said some bad words, but Bill Clinton raped me, and Hillary Clinton threatened me. I don't think there's any comparison. I'm Kathleen Lilly, and um, I am here to support Donald Trump. The reason, the reason for that is the first day that he announced for president, he said, I love this country, and I want America to be great again. And I cried when he said that, because I think that this is the greatest country in the world. I think that we can do anything. I think we can accomplish anything. I think that we can bring peace to this world. And I think Donald Trump can lead us to that point. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, thank you all very much. We appreciate it. Mr. Trump, 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 Insane, but um, I think like a lot of media outlets made a conscious decision not to cover it because they knew it was kind of like a preemptive distraction from the fact that he was going to get attacked over the the Billy Bush video or whatever. Right. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I have to say, like, I mean, because I've been hearing, I've, I've always heard for years, you know, rumblings on the right or whatever about the uh, the twelve year old girl that Hillary defended his rapist and stuff. And so I did a little more research on that to find out exactly what the story was and what the truth about it was. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it doesn't seem as damning as they all wanted it to be. Well, I mean, it's basically just, uh, do you believe that everyone deserves a decent defense? Or, and it's like, she was a court-appointed attorney, and she had the responsibility to do the best she could for her client that she was appointed to, you know, serve. That's that's the point of, you know, being a public defender or court-appointed attorney, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah it's an unfortunate situation, but everyone deserves representation. Yeah, but I, I do think like I, I do think that you know, like I mean, as far as once you get in the courtroom, the you know the truth goes out the window. As far as I can tell, I mean, like I was involved in like one thing in high school or whatever where you know some kid like bumped my truck when I was driving out of there with the Eubanks in my car and stuff, and like in my truck and like 
it, there was some minor, like, superficial damage to the side of his car because he tried to pass me on the right side, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he had, like, I was backing out of this spot, and then I'm putting it in gear to pull forward. And as, as I'm pulling forward, he tries to pull around me on the right side, which is, you know, totally illegal anywhere, anyway. Mm-hmm. And so then the next thing you know, I'm getting sued or whatever in Bedford Court up there, up there you know, 20 minutes north of Mitchell. And like, um, so I go to the court case and stuff, and I bring the Eubanks twins as my witnesses. And he's got four or five witnesses, and three of them don't even say anything that, like, incriminates me. They're just like, yeah, yeah, there was some sort of an accident. I don't really know what happened, but yeah. Like, literally, that's like Tim Strolls and certain people said stuff like that, I think. But the thing was, this kid, like, his dad was a lawyer. His older brother, who was much older than him, was a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And so, and I've, I've, I don't know if I had a lawyer who was, you know, whoever was representing me, they had no idea what the story was. It was just kind of like, okay, yeah, sit here, go there, talk now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had to pay, like, money to this kid and stuff for his car. And he came up with this ridiculous story that I had backed out of the parking spot pulled back in backwards, then pulled forward again, and that's when I hit him when he was just innocently trying to drive forward. It didn't make any damn sense, and, you know, it was a total bullshit lie, but I had to pay money to, like, fix his car and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, and, you know, I felt a little screwed over just because he's got lawyers in his family who know what the hell they're doing in court and stuff, so, you know, it doesn't matter. So I've seen firsthand that, like, you know, in the courtroom, the facts and the truth and what happened and stuff, it doesn't really matter. It just comes down to what your lawyers can do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're a, if you're a 12 year old, like this woman, let's see. Okay. Hold on. Try to find my notes on it because I made several notes on this. And, uh, um, because it was a case that I was not very familiar with, but if basically if you're a 12 year old person who gets raped by somebody and then you go to court and this hot shot young lawyer, uh, you know, cast aspersions on your character as somebody who's, you know, gone after older men and stuff. And basically, essentially what we would call in modern society, victim blaming, classic mm-hmm. victim blaming and gets the guy less than a year in prison. And, you know, you've got stitches on your genitalia, and the doctors tell you you may never have children. Mm-hmm. And the woman actually said she wanted to have children, but she was never able to have children. Mm-hmm. And now you see that woman who, you know, basically called you whatever she called you in the courtroom, running for president and being championed as this, you know, person of women's rights and stuff. I think, I mean, I think that woman has some right to be angry. I mean, like, <laughs> I think, like, you know, she got a rough deal. You know, no, no two ways about it. But at the same time, I think that the fact that she and the fact that, you know, Paula Jones and all these people are hit, have hitched their, you know, hitched their wagon to the Republican Clinton smear thing for, for, you know, however long they've been doing it just totally, you know, doesn't help their case. I mean, if they came at it from a nonpartisan angle and they said, look, like, we don't like what Clinton did to us, but we're, you know, we're not necessarily Republicans, but like, it's just not right. I think like that would carry much more weight. Yeah, and not to mention the fact um, that the person that you hitched your wagon to is also a accused sexual assault, you know, prepare. So it's like, you know, you're not exactly uh, siding with the righteous side, necessarily. It's like you're just going from one bad situation to another. So It just, yeah, it comes across as opportunistic. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, I found the notes on this incident. And this woman's name was Kathy Shelton, and this was 1975 when she was 12 years old. Clinton was 27 years old. Not yet married to Bill. 
and she was working for a defense fund for people who didn't have the financial means to defend themselves. A uh, 41-year-old factory worker named Thomas Alfred Taylor, who died in 1992, uh, apparently picked this girl up at her friend's house or something, with, and he had another guy in the truck with him or something, and they told her they were going to drive to get her a cola or something. They went to a liquor store, got Jack and Coke, gave her Jack and Coke, picked up a 15-year-old boy who had sex with the girl, and then the 41-year-old guy raped her, apparently, and beat her up. Um, now, Shelton said she didn't know about Hillary's role in two, until 2008, and in 2008 she said she bore no ill will towards Hillary, but then in 2016 now she's, you know, clearly holding a grudge. Mm-hmm. Um, the rapist, Taylor, wanted a female defense attorney, so he fired his male attorney and got Hillary. Hillary did try to get out of it, but the judge said she had to do it. <laughs> and it sounds like from that point on she basically decided to mount the best legal defense she could. Um, during the trial, Clinton said that the victim, uh, Shelton, Ms. Clinton said she had been informed that Shelton was emotionally unstable with a tendency to seek out older men and engage in fantasizing and has in the past made false accusations against persons claiming they attacked her bodily. And she said that children and early adolescents tend to exaggerate or romanticize sexual experiences, especially children from, quote-unquote, disorganized families such as Shelton's. Hmm. So, you know, that's like, you know, the, you know, she's, she's, uh, you know, we don't know what the situation was with Shelton at that time, but Clinton was not, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you could say she's just doing her job, but, you know, it's kind of character assassination on a 12-year-old girl who's been, been victimized. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and she had her guy take a lie detector test, and she said, of course he claimed he didn't rape her. She said, all this stuff, he took a lie detector test, I had him take a polygraph, which he passed, which forever destroyed my faith in polygraphs. And then at that point, Clinton and the interviewer both laughed. And, you know, everybody says Clinton laughed about getting this guy off. I don't think that she was laughing at getting the guy off. I think she was laughing at saying that, like, you know, she, you know, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a, I don't know if it's funny, but it's a, you know, it'd be a, it's an interesting moment in an interview to say that, you know, I don't trust polygraphs because this guy basically did the rape and then he passed the polygraph. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think that's the same as laughing at a girl who got raped and you. In that case, I recommend that guy. That was, it was, it was, it was a fascinating case. A really interesting case. This guy was accused of. Right at 12 though. Awesome. Oh. He had a guy who to break. The guy wanted to work more. Mm. Oh. Wow. He was his favorite. You know, of course, he climbed with you. All this stuff. He took a lot of tech tests. I don't know if that's all right. She passed, which forever destroyed my faith. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. How did it turn out? You know, I think there's a difference. I don't think the Republicans are. I don't think they're interested in finding a difference between the two. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, basically, the rapist got five-year sentence, but the judge knocked it down to four years suspended and knocked off two months and then did time served and counting, et cetera. So he basically got out of jail in like eight or ten months or something, so less mm-hmm. than a year. 
so that was, I mean, that was that case. Um, but again, yeah, I mean, like, this is going back, what? Like, this is going back, what, 35 years? Mm-hmm. 36 years or something like that. And, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I just thought that that was something that I, like, needed to find out a little bit more about just because it's something that I wasn't entirely clear of. And if it had been true, it would have been a pretty damning indictment of Hillary Clinton. So, mm-hmm. um, I did know in this, well, back to this debate, I mean, I noticed that Donald Trump was sniffling like crazy in this debate. What is up with the sniffling? A couple of times. Ugh. Yeah. I noticed a couple of times when he was really going at it and stuff right after he'd finished when the camera was on Hillary, she would rub and wipe her nose. But she didn't smile or anything, So, but I, I don't think her nose actually itched. I think she was, like, indicating, like, this guy's on cocaine. Yeah. You know? Which is interesting because uh, Trump claims to have that. never had a sip of alcohol or taken any drugs. So that's uh, be quite a change-up if he was moved on straight to the cocaine. But yeah, I don't know. I think, on the one hand, I think if he was really doing cocaine, he wouldn't be a little skinnier or something. <laughs> I don't know. But, um... But I don't know. I mean, maybe it's maybe Kellyanne Conway, and then like they realize like this guy, he's not going to get through an hour and a half of standing and walking and pacing around the room if he doesn't have a little nose candy. Yeah, right. But I mean, the, I mean, like honestly, in the first debate, I didn't notice the sniffles too much and stuff. But then this debate, they were like back on steroids, like it was totally out of control. Um, so. But I noticed that Hillary seemed to be indicating to her nose after he'd do a lot of sniffling and stuff two times. And it seems like she was, you know, I don't. I, I think it'll be interesting. <laughs> what, what we may never know if she actually meant anything by it or if she was just, you know, uncomfortable herself. But right. Had an itch. But, um, uh, and I noticed that, like, you know, a lot of people, a lot was made about Donald Trump stalking around the stage and kind of, like, being, ending up behind Hillary at strange times and stuff like that and kind of, like, looking like he was a creepy stalker or something or who knows what. But I don't know. I, I think, yeah, it didn't look good. It wasn't optically very good and stuff. Uh, so he did that. Uh, but Hillary, at the same time, was spent a lot of her time. She always, like, went back to her chair and sat down. Um, uh, she returns to her seat and sits still, which, but that had the unfortunate side effect of allowing flies to land on her body and face at various points. Uh-huh. There were at least two times where flies landed on her. One landed on her face at one point and went away. One landed on her chest at another point towards the end of the debate and stayed there for like 30 seconds before she jerked the mic up and stood up to go talk again. Oh, you, you've heard Alex Jones' theory you about know. this, right? Yeah, she's a demonic Satan, like, uh, whatever, sulfur. She smells like sulfur. She's like a rotting corpse who's running around the stage, like, and the flies are attracted to her because of that. Or she brought the fly. Yeah, I heard Alex Jones is crazy shit. If something horrible comes out and Trump comes out and agrees he did it, I will then weigh it. But there's, I, I'm never a lesser of two evils person, but with Hillary, there's not even the same universe. I mean, she is an abject, psychopathic demon from hell that as soon as she gets into power is going to try to destroy the planet. I'm sure of that. And people around her say she's so dark now and so evil and so possessed that they are having nightmares. They're freaking out. Folks, let me just tell you something. If the media wants to go with this, that's fine. There are dozens of videos and photos of Obama having flies land on him indoors at all times of year, and he'll be next to 100 people and no one has flies on him. 
Hillary, reportedly. I mean, I was told people around her that they think she's demon-possessed, okay? I'm just going to go ahead and say it, okay? They said they're scared. That's why when I see her when kids are by her, I actually get scared myself for the child. I mean, you that big rubber face and that... I mean, this woman is dangerous, ladies and gentlemen. That's, I'm telling you. She is a demon. This is biblical. She's going to launch a nuclear war. The Russians are scared of her. By the way, when people are scared of you and they got nuclear weapons, you have a big war. When you're scared, you fight. When you're a man. You don't crawl in the hole and stick your butt out the other end so the wolf can eat it. You fight. And I'm going to tell the Democrats something. And all the trendies, all the rest of you, you've lived on the guts of your ancestors. You've lived off what was built before. You don't appreciate anything. You're pseudo-intellectuals that think you know everything. I've, I've been around you. You are despicably sad and pathetic people. I'm going to consider and kiss your ass. If you want to redeem yourself, then admit Donald Trump's right. Admit he's a lion with a bunch of jackals attacking him and hyenas. Stand up for what's right. Admit the entire power structure you claim you're not part of is against him. And then ask yourself why you want to be part of this delusion club, the delusionites, the delusionals, where you think you're a winner and you think everything's okay because you said so. You're living in your own world. I know I'm right. And this is a fight against the hoax machine. It's a fight against the mainstream media. It's a fight against globalism. It's a fight against all the corruption we've seen, the Republican Party establishment, the Bushes, the mass graves, the dead children, the sanctions, the wars. I mean, Trump last night was so genuine. You tell you got down to real Trump last night when she's like, eh, you're with the Russians. He goes, I don't even know the Russians. I have nothing to do with the Russians. But why would we want to have a war with them? They're not doing anything to us. We need to link up and defeat radical Islam with them. And she's the one launching the modern jihad. She knows full well. Here, here he is trying to stop World War III. Hillary and her people are trying to start a war with Russia. They admit they are. They're trying to overthrow it internally. The Soros' group. It's on record. And here's this guy going, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, I don't want to have war with Russia. Does I mean I work for him? What's your problem? You're a despicable person. She sleeps in the same room with that creepy weirdo woman, Uma Abedin, whose mother wears a hood over her head and writes top articles in the world promoting cutting women's genitals off. What the hell? That woman, number one, is ugly and evil. But but imagine if you're like, oh, what does your mom do? Oh, she's a top genital mutilation pusher. I'd be like, whoa, get the hell away from me. Yeah, but Hillary's into, like, creepy, weird, sick stuff, man. Just disgusting with flies all over, big, fat, stinking dick. Imagine how bad she smells, man. I'm told her and Obama just stink, 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 stink. You can't wash that evil off, man. I'm told there's a rotten smell around Hillary. I'm not kidding. People say, they say, that, uh, folks, I've been told this. By high up folks, they say, listen, Obama and Hillary both smell like sulfur. I never said this because the media go crazy with it, but I've, I've talked to people that are in protective details. I mean, they're scared of her. And they say, listen, she's a freaking demon and she stinks and so does Obama. And I go, like what? Sulfur. They smell like hell.
<laughs> I heard uh, Barack Obama, you know, he smelled himself today. He said, nope, I don't smell like sulfur or something. <laughs> I think the flies. And there's only one candidate in this race who understands that democracy in a big, diverse country doesn't work if you constantly demonize each other. And I mean that literally, by the way. There, I, I, was, I was reading the other day, there, there's a, a guy on the radio who apparently Trump's on his show frequently. He said, me and Hillary are demons. Said we smell like sulfur. Ain't that something? Now, <laughs> I mean, come on, people. This, <laughs> democracy does not work if you just say stuff like that. Or, and, and, and apparently there are people who, who believe that stuff. I don't know why the hell there were flies in the studio, but, you know, I think the flies came to her just because she was sitting still for long periods. Of right, time. right. Whereas Donald Trump never never sat still long enough for the flies to come at him. <laughs> so, at the beginning, I guess I guess we should start at the beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. Hillary says hello three times, and but there's no handshake, which a lot was made of, I think. Um, there was no Donald, or, you know, what's his name, uh, Oh, God. Um, Cooper. Oh, Anderson Cooper? Anderson Cooper. Anderson Cooper said, no applause or cheering to save time. Mm-hmm. And the first question was, like, basically, what about the children? Like, can't we have a nice presidential campaign so the children don't feel bad about, you know? Thank you very much for being here. We're going to begin with a uh, question from one of the members in our town hall. Uh, each of you will have two minutes to respond to this question. Secretary Clinton, you won the coin toss, so you'll go first. Our first question comes from Patrice Brock. Patrice? Thank you and good evening. The last presidential debate could have been rated as MA, mature audiences, per TV parental guidelines. Knowing that educators assign viewing the presidential debates as students' homework, do you feel you're modeling appropriate and positive behavior for today's youth? Well, thank you. Are are you a teacher? Yes, I think that that's a very good question because I've heard from lots of teachers and parents about some of their concerns about some of the things that are being said and done uh, in this campaign. Uh, And I think it is very important for us to make clear to our children that our country really is great because we're good. And we are going to respect one another, lift each other up, We are going to be looking for ways to celebrate our diversity. And we are going to try to reach out to every boy and girl, as well as every adult, uh, to bring them in to working on behalf of our country. Yeah, I'd just like to point out how right you were about the audience questions. I just was so disappointed with every single audience question, pretty much. (laughs) It was not a good look. I thought the forum format was a total waste. What, what about Ken Bone? What about Ken Bone? I don't get this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I think people like people are just relieved that that was almost over when they announced he's the last person. Or something. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, he seems like a charming guy or whatever. But he, like, he asked a question about energy policy, and I don't know. Maybe I'm. Maybe we're getting old, Bob. We don't. We don't. You know, automatically glam on to the latest uh, fads. I guess. <laughs> 
sad. I mean, I think people were looking for some moment of levity, given that it was such a dark, you know, debate, you know, so I think people were looking for any any little thing to release some pressure, so I guess that maybe was a good release valve, but I don't know, I just didn't didn't do anything for me. I was just like, okay, it's guy, goofy guy in a sweater, all right. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. But yeah, but basically the the town hall format is it's a goddamn joke mm-hmm. at this point. I mean, these are not real citizens. Number one, like, didn't they say at some point that they're all undecided? Or That's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't think we can. Um, you know, if you if you can find that many people, enough people to fill a, like that town hall, and they're all undecided. Number one. I don't believe them. You know, like one of those women was like a Muslim woman and she's like, uh, you know, asking a question about Islam in America. She's not undecided. Come on. She's not believing the Trump. Come on. And for good reason, but like, don't, you don't got to pretend, right? Don't like, insult our intelligence by pretending like, yeah, this person really doesn't know which way she wants to go yet. She came here to, so we could ask important questions so she could make an informed decision. <laughs> you know? Yeah. All the information anybody needs is already out there. Yeah. And number one, like, I mean, I don't like this, I, you know, I don't like having undecided people in the audience. Be, I mean, or at least not the entire audience being undecided or whatever, because it's like, that just proves that these people have not been paying attention. <laughs> you haven't made up your mind by this late date. You, it's like you're the kid who didn't do his homework in class and the teacher calls on you. It's like, you shouldn't be rewarded and given this, like, platform and stuff because you, you haven't been paying attention. But some people want to feel needed, I'm sure, and this like you know the, this is the only people left to speak to in these debates, you know, because the people who hate Hillary and the people who hate Trump, you know, they're never going to come over to the other side. So really, they're just talking to this middle, what is it, five, ten percent of people that are supposedly undecided. So it's like, oh, which way am I going to go? Are you talking to me still? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, they're all they're all very coy. <laughs> But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't, I don't buy it. I, it wins falls to me and stuff. It, it's just a disaster. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, so they, they basically the first question was like, what about the children? And Hillary said, um, okay, I think it is very important for us to make clear to our children that our country really is great because we're good. Okay. Like, is that a good answer in any universe? I mean, like, we're great because we are good. Um, politics, like, you know, that's not a real person talking. You know, that's not like a, uh, it's just, you know, I I feel like I'm losing the language to even discuss politics anymore because it's just so vapid sometimes. Uh, we're great because we're good. Okay. And then Trump says, well, I actually agree with that. I agree with everything she said. Jum, jum, jum. Like, I've gotten to know the people of the country over the last year and a half, and I've been doing this as a politician. I cannot believe I'm saying that about myself, but I guess I have been a politician. Well, I actually agree with that. I agree with everything she said. Uh, I began this campaign because I was so tired of seeing such foolish things happen to our country. This is a great country. This is a great land. I've gotten to know the people of the country over the last year and a half that I've been doing this as a politician. I cannot believe I'm saying that about myself, but I guess I have been a politician. (laughs) He admits that he is a politician now, which is, you know, political suicide for any Republican. They're the anti-politician, right? Right. You know, Mike Pence, like, you and Hillary, Tim Kaine, you guys have been, uh, you know, 
career politicians. And I, you know, God bless you for it. But, you know, I haven't been a politician. I've just been the governor of a state for 12 years or whatever. (laughs) So, anyways, of course, after getting the kids stuff out of the way, they move on to the pussy cake. Um, so, uh, Anderson Cooper received a lot of questions online, Mr. Trump, about the tape that was released on Friday. As you can imagine, you called what you said locker room banter. You described kissing women without consent, grabbing their genitals. That is sexual assault. At this point, Trump is nodding, which I thought was really weird. Like, yeah, 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 it's sexual assault. He says, you brag that you have sexually assaulted women. Do you understand that? He says, no, I didn't say that at all. I don't think you understood what, what was said. This was locker room talk. Uh, I'm not proud of it. I apologize to my family. I apologize to the American people. Certainly, I'm not proud of it. But this is locker room talk. You know, when we have a world where you have ISIS chopping off heads, where you have, and frankly, drowning people in steel cages, where you have uh, wars and, and and horrible sights all over, where you have so many bad things happening. This is like medieval times. We haven't seen anything like this. The carnage all over the world. And they look, they, and they see. Uh, can you imagine the people that are frankly doing so well against us with ISIS? And they look at our country and they see what's going on. Yes, I'm very embarrassed by it. I hate it. But it's locker room talk, and it's one of those things. I will knock the hell out of ISIS. We're going to defeat ISIS. ISIS happened a number of years ago in a vacuum that was left so... And somebody says, so, because of bad judgment. And I will tell you, I will take care of ISIS. So, Mr. Trump, and we should get on with so much more important things and much bigger things. And, um, and Anderson Cooper finally gets his way back in there. And he says, just for the record, though, are you saying that what you said on the bus 11 years ago, that you did not actually kiss women without consent or grow women without consent? I have great respect for women. Nobody has more respect for women than I do, uh... So for the record, you're saying you never did that. I'm saying I said things that, frankly, you you hear those things are said, and I was embarrassed by it, but I have tremendous respect for women. He says, have you ever done those things? And women have respect for me. I will tell you, no, I have not. Sniff. And I will tell you that I'm, I'm going to make our country safe. We're going to have borders on our country, which we don't have now. People are pouring into our country. And they're coming in from the Middle East and other places. Uh, we're going to make America safe again. We're going to make America great again. But we're going to make America safe again and make America wealthy again. Because if you don't do that, it just uh, it just sounds harsh to say, but we have to build up the wealth of our Thank you, Mr. Trump. Other nations are taking our jobs and they're taking our wealth, and that's what I want to talk about. Thank you, Mr. Trump. And Clinton says um, something to, you know, it doesn't really matter what she said. This is how Trump answers a question. (laughs) You know, the question is about the the, the pussy tape, and he's all like, uh, you know, ISIS, I'm going to beat ISIS, I'm going to beat them up. They're looking at what's happening in our country, and uh, we need to build up our wealth and our safety and make America great again. So Hillary basically said, I disagreed with the prior Republican candidates, but I never questioned their fitness to serve. Um, and this video represents exactly who Donald Trump is, kind of the step, which is all true. The question from Patrice was about, are you both modeling positive and appropriate behaviors for today's youth? 
We received a lot of questions online, Mr. Trump, about the tape that was released on Friday. As you can imagine, you called what you said locker room banter. You described kissing women without consent, grabbing their genitals. That is sexual assault. You bragged that you have sexually assaulted women. Do you understand that? No, I didn't say that at all. I don't think you understood what was said. This was locker room talk. Uh, I'm not proud of it. I apologize to my family. I apologize to the American people. Certainly, I'm not proud of it. But this is locker room talk. You know, when we have a world where you have ISIS chopping off heads, where you have, and frankly, drowning people in steel cages, where you have wars and, and horrible, horrible sights all over, where you have so many bad things happening. This is like medieval times. We haven't seen anything like this, the carnage all over the world. And they look and they see. Can you imagine the people that are, frankly, doing so well against us with ISIS? And they look at our country and they see what's going on. Yes, I'm very embarrassed by it. I hate it. But it's locker room talk, and it's one of those things. I will knock the hell out of ISIS. We're going to defeat ISIS. ISIS happened a number of years ago in a vacuum that was left so, because of bad judgment. And I will tell you, I will take care of ISIS. So Mr. And Trump, we should get on to much more important things and much bigger things. Just for the record, though, are you saying that what you said on that bus 11 years ago, that you did not actually kiss women without consent or grope women without consent? I have great respect for women. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. So for the record, said, you're saying you never did that? I said things that, frankly, you, you hear these things, I said. And I was embarrassed by it, but I have tremendous respect for women. Have you ever and done those things? have respect for me. And I will tell you, no, I have not. And I will tell you that I'm going to make our country safe. We're going to have borders on our country, which we don't have now. People are pouring into our country, and they're coming in from the Middle East and other places. Uh, we're going to make America safe again. We're going to make America great again, but we're going to make America safe again. And we're going to make America wealthy again, because if you don't do that, uh, it just it sounds harsh to say, but we have to build up the wealth of Thank our you, nation. Mr. Trump. Right now, other nations are taking our jobs and they're taking our wealth. Thank you, Mr. And that's Trump. that's what I want to talk about. Secretary Clinton, do you want to respond? Again, like, I mean, the things that... I, I, I guess one thing that I had to wrestle with as I was taking notes on this, and I, I didn't take as many notes as I took last time because it's just, you know, it's impossible. But the thing is, like, I found myself writing down a lot of what Trump was saying just because it's so zany and crazy and out there and stuff. But, like, literally stuff, even when she's right, it's just boring standard political answers with a bunch of, like, fluff in there about greatness and making things better and, you know, years of service and the beauty of the American people and just, like, you know, just... Anybody could say it, mm-hmm. you know. But with some Trump, the stuff is like noteworthy because he sounds like a lunatic. But I mean, do you not think that's part of her strategy is to be as bland as possible in the face of this crazy person? Like, you know, I think she knows if she tries to be like, get on his level in any way that she's not going to like come out looking better. So I almost, I don't know, maybe the poor performance she gave was almost by intention because she knew this guy is like imploding. Well, I, I don't know if I want to even say she did a poor performance necessarily, but, like, it's just, like, just, you know. Well, I was unsatisfied with pretty much every answer she gave. I, I didn't feel like she hit it out of the park at any point during this debate. Well, I will say there were one or two parts where I thought she hit a pretty good note and had a pretty strong speech. And stuff. Mm-hmm. There was one point where she talked about 
her 30 years of service or something, and she had a she got a pretty strong thing going. On. But again, it's it's just like I mean, like I, I felt like some guilt as a person who's you know making notes and what do I want to comment on and what parts are noteworthy, mm-hmm. and you know I do feel like I should get equal you know amounts of stuff to both of them. But I mean, we have to acknowledge this campaign has come down to. It's all about Donald Trump. It's not about Hillary Clinton. Right. If people like myself vote for Hillary Clinton, it's not going to be because of some speech she gave or some little witticism she threw out there. It's just mm-hmm. going to be because this guy's a disaster. Right. So that's what I mean when I say it almost doesn't matter what she says because we know what she's going to say. She's going to say whatever it is that the you know the perfect politician of the last thirty years would say. <laughs> but with yeah. Donald Trump, we've got sniffling, we've got threats, we've got you know. We've got uh, wild, off-topic rants that, you know, just are totally unhinged. We've got, you know, just entertainment, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's see. And, and I think another frustrating thing about the fallout, and I think we can't talk about the video and the fallout of the video from Trump last Friday without talking about Facebook and the reactions and, you know, what we see, what people are doing. Mm-hmm. Um Trump goes on to say, if you look at Bill Clinton, far worse, minor words, and his was action. His was what he's done to women. There's never been anybody in the history of politics in this nation that's been so abusive to women. So, um, well, you know, that's been a very common theme. You know, I'm not going to get so outraged about what Donald Trump said. I'm more outraged about what Bill Clinton did and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Donald Trump was just, it's words. I'm not bothered by words, you know. No, like, Donald Trump was using words to describe actions that he has taken, mm-hmm. including grabbing women against their will, trying to kiss women against their will, putting mm-hmm. in tic- Tic Tacs while he, you know, tries to decide whether he wants to sexually assault women or not. And, yeah. Uh, Have you also you heard know, the uh, defense uh, that he was a Democrat when he said those things? <laughs> uh, Donald Trump, it's like... Do we really believe he's so different based on what party he is? I mean, this is who he is, no matter what party he is, I think. I mean, and I don't think that's even a tact he's taking. He's not saying, oh, I said all these things because I'm a Democrat. Oh, no, by the way, rap music. You know, have you heard that one, too? Like, oh, but haven't you heard worse in rap music? It's like, yes, he's just a poor 70-year-old man influenced by rap music. Yeah, he's, it's, it, it doesn't matter if he was a Democrat when he said this. Like, I mean, Donald Trump doesn't believe in anything. Mm-hmm. You know? And and the fact is that even if he does believe in, like, abortion or women's right to choose or whatever in reality, it doesn't matter because he knew he could not take his show on the road and get anywhere in the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. But he saw a perfect patsy in the Republican Party. He knew he could do his bullshit dance and song up on the stage and people were going to vote for him, and he was right. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter what he actually believes, because the fact is he knew that the Republican parties were the idiots who were going to elect him. Right. They have, and, and they're dealing with it now. And they're like, no, we elected him and he's a Democrat. It's like, well, how stupid are you then? You knew, you knew he used to be a Democrat at various points in his life right. and vacillated at different times mm-hmm. and you elected him to be your 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 standard bearer so don't you know that's not our fault that's not on democrats yeah exactly this guy, like with the stuff that he's done he would have never gone anywhere in the mm-hmm. democratic primary you know hillary would have killed him rightly so bernie sanders would have killed him uh you know uh martin o'malley would have killed him in the primary in the democratic side i mean <laughs> it's just you know it's a different class of voters 
Yeah, absolutely. So, but, yeah, so that's what I would say to people who say, well, he, he used to be a Democrat. Yeah. Well, I heard the argument, and this actually kind of made sense to me, that he is actually a third-party candidate that just happens to have taken over the Republican Party. So it's not even that he's a Republican or, or he's a Democrat. He's really just, a th- in any other world, he would just be a third-party candidate, but he's just done a hostile takeover of one of the two major parties of this of this country. So... But you're right. I mean, it was the Republicans yeah, right. because there was a path forward for him. So, yeah. Well, if he's a third party, I don't know what third party he'd be. He was a Reform Party uh, for uh, don't know how long. But I think when he flirted with the idea of running for president in 2000, I believe that's what he was, which is the what I think Ross Perot's party turned into. So hmm. anyway, well, I think a lot of people like don't want to see their, you know, their apple carts upset or whatever. They don't want to see, like a lot of people blame Bernie and say, well, he was never a Democrat until he wanted to run for president. It's like, yeah, and that was fucking smart of him because he got, you know, whatever, 46% mm-hmm. of the Democratic primary vote. Um, and he did caucus or, with Democrats um, for, for years and years, though, so it wasn't like he didn't have any association exactly. with the Democrats. Exactly. And like Hillary tried to say, you know, you know, back in the primary, she said she gave some speech where she was like, um, oh, and when I was pushing for health care Form back in the early 90s when I was the first lady, where was Bernie Sanders then? And it's like within 12 hours, they've got a video of Bernie Sanders standing right before Hillary, behind Hillary when she was giving a speech. She said specifically, and I want to thank Bernie Sanders for his support. It's been integral and in all this stuff. It's like, well, there you go, Hillary. He was there all along. He's been doing it. <laughs> you know, he's been right there with you. Yeah, right. As an independent, caucusing with the Democrats, doing what he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so don't give me all this crap about he's he was never really a Democrat, so he can't take over the Democratic Party. Well, <laughs> it turns out a lot of Democratic voters like what he's talking about more than you do. Yeah. Same thing with Trump. Right. These guys, you know, they could be polling, you know, Bernie and Trump, if they ran independent, they'd be polling down there like, like the Green Party, like Stein and Johnson, you know? Mm-hmm. But they're smarter than that. They're like, no, I need to get inside the, the establishment of one of the accepted two major parties, and then I'll just tear things up from the inside, which they were both, in very different ways, remarkably successful at. Perhaps mm-hmm. Trump more more successful than Sanders in some ways. Yeah. Hey, remember back during the primaries when everyone was like, oh, Bernie can't beat Trump? <laughs> Can you imagine? He, he would be... Trump, yeah, it would be like I mean, it would be it would I I would feel bad for Trump at this point if yeah. Bernie was in this thing because Trump would be he'd be getting torn up on the regular. Yeah, exactly. And you couldn't even do that oh Bill Clinton oh but Hillary thing that people want to do so badly. So yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And like and Bill Clinton, like I mean, Bill Clinton's approval rating has been up for years. And we knew, like in 2008, we knew that Bill Clinton was going to be a, uh, he was going to be an issue if Hillary made it to the general election. And this year, we knew also that Bill Clinton's stuff was going to be an issue if it made it to the, you know, the general election. So it's it's not like this is a surprise, and it's not like this stuff hasn't been litigated, literally litigated in the, you know, in 1996 or 1997 or whatever with the, the. Uh, with the congre- uh, congressional Republicans indicting him and stuff, mm-hmm. and Star and all that, so they're just relitigating old crap and trying to like you know uh, put up uh, Donald Trump's uh, misogyny and bad behavior with women up against Clinton's alleged the same. Mm-hmm. And but I think like you know, 
again, I think like the thing with Bill Clinton is from from what I understand, like you know, they're, they always say Clinton's a rapist, but like pretty much, it seems like most of what, if not all of what Bill Clinton did, was basically consensual. Well, Monica was certainly consensual, and even Monica says that. I think she's always maintained it was consensual. So, and people always want yeah. to bring up Monica, and yes, she was much younger, and yes, he was ostensibly her boss, and yes, he was much more in power than she was, but she was an adult, it was consensual, and that was, you know, the one they tried to hang on him, you know what I mean? So, there is the yeah. Uh, yeah. the other ones, though, that I, I would think are not, though, because there's the uh, Paula Jones, I believe, was, was not, although I think Jennifer Flowers was consensual. As far as I remember, it's hard to keep. What, what, what was Paula Jones's story? Like she got picked up by a sheriff's deputy or something, and they yeah. they wanted women to come to the governor's mansion. Something like that. I don't remember the details. I just remember it was the portal to which we learned about because that was what allowed them to depose Bill for the Monica thing. I think was the Paula Jones case. I don't really remember the details of the Paula Jones, but yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. If I if I'd had more time today, I would have gone like back into all of these. Things I, mm-hmm. like I said, I went back into the twelve-year-old rape case. Stuff. Right, um, but um, I would go into you know. Well, Juanita Broderick is one that you know her her story is somewhat believable that he may have forced himself upon her, uh, you know, in the seventies or whatever. But then she takes the further step of saying that Hillary then threatened her later. But all that she can really say this, that Hillary said was thank you for your support or something. So she's like, she views that as like a veiled threat or something, but I don't know that that's a little harder to believe that, that Hillary was like intimidating people for bill that I don't know. Yeah, and frankly, like I don't, I don't blame Hillary for anything she may have said, as long as she didn't use her, you know, whatever her state power might have been as a cudgel or something. But I don't, you know, she's, you know, her husband's cheated on with somebody, and like if you've ever been cheated on somebody, like by on your, if you've ever had your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever cheat on you with somebody else like you're going to be pissed at the other people mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's a human reaction and I think yeah. everybody gets that mm-hmm. except the people who are willfully trying not to get that yeah. so you know anything that like Hillary called them you know bembos or whatever she called them back in the day it's like uh, so what I mean like she's not, what does she want to give them a medal of honor or something <laughs> yeah right what would you do so yeah um, anyways, like, let's see, where, where does this thing go? Um, I would also like to mention, let's see, what is it? Um, let's see. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Donald Trump said something about 12 year old was raped. Hillary's client got off. Clinton seen laughing on two separate occasions. $800,000 fine to Paula Jones from Bill Clinton. I don't know. I'd have to do some more looking into that and stuff. Um, Trump gets an applause line at that point. Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump, I want to get to audience questions and online questions. So she's allowed to do that, but I'm not allowed to respond. You're going to to get to respond right now. Sounds fair. This tape is generating intense interest. In just 48 hours, it's become the single most talked about story of the entire 2016 election on Facebook, with millions and millions of people discussing it on the social network. As we said a moment ago, we do want to bring in questions from voters around the country via social media. And our first stays on this topic. Jeff from Ohio asks on Facebook, Trump says the campaign has changed him. When did that happen? 
So, Mr. Trump, let me add to that. When you walked off that bus at age 59, were you a different man or did that behavior continue until just recently? And you have two minutes talk, for as this. I told you, that was locker room talk. Uh, I'm not proud of it. I am a person who has great respect for people, for my family, for the people of this country, and certainly I'm not proud of it. But that was something that uh, happened. If you look at uh, Bill Clinton, far worse, minor words, and his was action. His was what he's done to women. There's never been anybody in the history of politics in this nation that's been so abusive to women. So you can say any way you want to say it, but Bill Clinton was abusive to women. Hillary Clinton attacked those same women and attacked them viciously, four of them here tonight. One of the women, who is a wonderful woman, at 12 years old, was raped at 12. Her client, she represented, got him off, and she's seen laughing on two separate occasions, laughing at the girl who was raped. Kathy Shelton, that young woman, is here with us tonight. So don't tell me about words. I am absolutely, I apologize for those words. But it is things that people say. But what President Clinton did, he was impeached. He lost his license to practice law. He had to pay an 850000 dollar fine to one of the women, Paula Jones, who's also here tonight. And I will tell you that when Hillary brings up a point like that, and she talks about words that I said 11 years ago, I think it's disgraceful, and I think she should be ashamed of herself, if you want to know the truth. Can we please hold the applause? Secretary Clinton, you have two minutes. Well, first, let me start by saying that so much of what he's just said is not right, but he gets to run his campaign any way he chooses. He gets to decide what he wants to talk about. Instead of answering people's questions, talking about our agenda, laying out the plans that we have that we think can make uh, a better life and a better country, that's his choice. When I hear something like that, I am reminded of what my friend Michelle Obama advised us all. When they go low, you go high. At that point, a fly also lands on Hillary's face. Uh, and then Hillary says, when, you go, when they go low, you go high. That's what Michelle Obama told me. And then Clinton got an applause line off that. She says, Donald Trump never apologizes. And there are you know, numerous examples of that. And then Donald says, uh, your campaign, Sidney Blumenthal, he's another winner. And I was just going to point out that I watched a really good video the other day by Sam Cedar of the Majority Report. He pointed out that there are three people that Republicans love talking about that nobody outside of the Republican fever swamp even knows who they are hardly, <laughs> which are Sidney Blumenthal, Saul Alinsky, and uh, Vince Foster. Uh. I mean, Vince Foster was the, you know, the Clinton, uh, I, I don't know what his exact position in the, in the administration was, but he committed suicide. Mm -hmm. The I think the intense partisan bickering that was going on soon after Bill's election and stuff into into presidency and stuff, but you know Republicans have always maintained this fantasy that he was murdered right mm -hmm. by the Clintons for some nefarious reason or something. So, but again, you know Vince Foster, Sidney Blumenthal, and Saul Alinsky, these are like three names that have intense like powerful meaning on the right, but like everybody else is like, yeah, what's the problem? <laughs> you know, 
it just doesn't register right. with most people. Well, I think that kind of proved that you know he was really Trump was really just speaking to his base in this uh, debate, and I really think what he was trying to do uh, is to stem the bleeding of uh, Republicans that were like, unendorsing him and stuff by whipping up his base even mm-hmm. further, so that they became even more scared to you know what I mean renounce him. So I think that's that was his strategy, not necessarily to win over anybody in the middle, because like you said, I don't think anybody, your average, your Ken Bone of the world doesn't know who Sidney Blumenthal is and doesn't really care. So, <laughs> Yeah. And I, and I think for better or worse, I think Trump somewhat accomplished that goal. Mm-hmm. Although after the debate, um, Paul Ryan said that, you know, he basically had the conference call or whatever mm-hmm. where he said he was not going to be doing any more activities to support Donald Trump. But he still wasn't unendorsing him. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, and he's gonna he's gonna have to answer for that in the future. I think. I think he's gonna. You know, Republicans are pissed at him for being this kind of this feckless guy who won't stick by what stick by the guy he promised to stick by or the candidate or whatever. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is saying like, this guy is a horrible person, and you won't endorse him. Right. You're clearly, you know, putting party ahead of any other thing in the world. So. Um, but I do think like I think what Donald Trump accomplished in this debate was basically getting to go on TV for an hour and a half and say all the things to the Clintons that every Republican has always fantasized about ever having getting a chance to say to them, mm-hmm. like to her face. <laughs> you know, I, I think he, so hopefully they had a cathartic moment and they got it all out of their system. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't, but, you know, I think he did accomplish that. He got up there and he brought up every conspiracy theory and he went on and on and on about various things and stuff, so... Uh, congratulations, I guess. Um, right. Let's see. Uh, at one point he said, he brought up Bernie Sanders, and he said something that, like, between the superdelegates and Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Bernie Sanders never had a chance. Bernie had signed on with the devil. Yeah, he called, called her the devil, devil literally. Yeah. Well, you owe the president an apology because, as you know very well, uh, your campaign, Sidney Blumenthal, he's another real winner that you have. And he's the one that got this started along with your campaign manager. And they were on television just two weeks ago, she was saying exactly that. So you really owe him an apology. You're the one that sent the pictures around your campaign, sent the pictures around with President Obama in a certain garb. That was long before I was ever involved. So you actually owe an apology. And number two, Michelle Obama. I've gotten to see the commercials that they did on you. And I've gotten to see some of the most vicious commercials I've ever seen of Michelle Obama talking about you, Hillary. So you talk about, friend, go back and take a look at those commercials. A race where you lost, fair and square, unlike the Bernie Sanders race where you won, but not fair and square, in my opinion. And all you have to do is take a look at WikiLeaks and just see what they said about Bernie Sanders and see what Deborah Wasserman Schultz had in mind because Bernie Sanders, between superdelegates and Deborah Wasserman Schultz, he never had a chance. And I was so surprised to see him sign on with the devil. But when you talk about apology, I think the one that you should really be apologizing for and the thing that you should be apologizing for are the 33,000 emails that you deleted and that you acid washed. And then the two boxes of emails and other things last week 
that were taken from an office and are now missing. He said, and I tell you, I tell you what, I didn't think I would say this, but I'm going to, and I hate to say it, but if I win, I'm going to instruct my attorney general to get a special prosecutor to look into your situation. Situation, <laughs> such a broad word. Back and do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your whole situation. <laughs> the Clinton situation. And then, and then she says, uh, she said something like, well, I think it's great that Donald Trump's not the president because uh, because of his temperament. He says, because you'd be in jail. And I'll tell you what, I didn't think I'd say this, but I'm going to say it, and I hate to say it, but if I win, I am going to instruct my attorney general to get a special prosecutor to look into your situation because there has never been so many lies, so much deception, there has never been anything like it. And we're going to have a special prosecutor. When I speak, I go out and speak, the people of this country are furious. In my opinion, the people that have been long-term workers at the FBI are furious. There has never been anything like this where emails and you get a subpoena. You get a subpoena. And after getting the subpoena, you delete 33 thousand emails and then you acid wash them or bleach them as you would say a very expensive process so we're going to get a special prosecutor and we're going to look into it because you know what people have been their lives have been destroyed for doing one fifth of what you've done and it's a disgrace and honestly you ought to be ashamed of Secretary yourself Clinton, i want Martha, to follow let, up on that yeah, i'm going to let, let you talk about it because everything he just said is absolutely false but i'm not oh, surprised really? in the first debate and we in the really, first the debate, audience needs to I calm told down people here. that it would be impossible to be fact-checking Donald all the time. I'd never get to talk about anything I want to do and how we're going to really uh, make lives better for people. So, once again, go to HillaryClinton.com. We have literally Trump. You can fact-check him, fact-check, fact-check him in real time. Last time at the first debate, we had millions of people uh, fact-checking, so I expect we'll have millions more fact-checking uh, because, you know, it is, uh, it's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. I mean, he got an applause line off that. <laughs> so, again, you know, that's a historic moment, threatening jail for your, um, your political opponents if you win. That's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, very third-world dictator style. Yep. Although, I will say one thing. I, I think if I were Hillary, I would have come back to him and said, you know, if I become president, we just might throw you in jail for, uh, for <laughs> sexual harassment, rape, etc." I think she, I, I'm surprised. Like, well, on the one hand, I'm not surprised because, you know, she doesn't want to sink to his level. He goes low, she goes high, etc. Boring. But... I think that I think it's unfortunate in America that we don't have uh, legal political reprisals, not, not political reprisals exactly, but I'm just saying like, okay, for example, Richard Nixon broke the law, was in trouble, was going to be prosecuted, but he gets forgiven by the incoming president, right? Mm -hmm. uh, George W. Bush and his whole crew were a bunch of war criminals. They broke, they violated the Constitution, they did all kinds of horrible shit. And Barack Obama's like, we're moving forward. We're not going to look backward, you know. So nobody ever gets, like, held accountable in America. For, and I understand it because, like, when you become the president, you don't want to be have, like, your successor holding you accountable legally. But, but I think that that creates a system where the powerful in America realize that they can do anything they want. They can reinterpret the law to say that the president does it. It must be legal. 
um, because the president did it. And, you know, it creates this system where, like, you know, they're just there's no accountability for our presidents and our leaders. And mm-hmm. It's not a good thing for the country. So I'm not so sure that, you know, incoming presidents shouldn't hold the outgoing presidents responsible sometimes. Well, you just named uh, two Republican examples of getting off scot-free, so uh, there, you know, cuts both ways. So, like you said, if if there was a Democrat that you know did something, then the next president might use that, you know, in return. So, could get messy either way. But yeah, I agree. It's there is no consequences when you're just forgiven by the next one. So, yeah. Well, I mean, but the thing is, like, I mean, I think the Republican crimes have been much worse. Mm-hmm. With, you know, Obama, you've got the drone war, which, you know, as much, uh, the, the funny thing about the drone war is, like, as it may be unconstitutional to, like, you know, target assassinations, killing American citizens and stuff overseas and stuff or whatever. It's all terrible. It's bad and stuff, and it's nasty and stuff. But the thing is, I think that, I mean, the people who have been complaining about it have been left-wing, not right-wing. Mm-hmm. The right-wingers have no problem with the drone war. They would continue it under their thing, so they're not going to, you know, they're not going to impeach Obama for the drone war because they want their president to continue with it and intensify in other ways, probably. Um, and uh, and the other thing is, like, if you know, Barack Obama may have exceeded himself in some areas and stuff, but the fact is that if he realized that there was some chance he could be prosecuted after leaving office, he probably wouldn't exceed in those areas. I mean, I think. It's the same thing, like where they made it, where you know Congress made it legal to sue Saudi Arabia for the nine eleven families, and Obama and everybody's like, "Well, this sets a bad precedent, and mm-hmm. our you know Americans overseas could be sued for various things." It's like, well, okay, but like Americans overseas have done some pretty bad stuff sometimes. I mean, there have been like dead civilians, there have been people who've gone on rampages, there have been Abu Ghraib and things like this. Maybe if there was a little bit of accountability, we wouldn't have some of these issues, these incidents happening. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like. It would be some self-regulation that would happen as a result of the fact. So um, I have no problem with that, that bill about people being able to sue Saudi Arabia. I think a wedge should be driven between America and Saudi Arabia. I think it's a, a dangerous country that 15 of the 19 hijackers on 9-11 came from that country. They're doing something wrong. They're bombing the hell out of Yemen for some reason right now, which is I don't think has been fully explained to the American people. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of bad stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I'm I'm generally in favor of people, you know, being held accountable, mm-hmm. you know, whether they're politicians or whether they're, you know, uh, you know, uh, Blackwater contractors or whatever the case may be. It's mm-hmm. just you know, and. You can say it sets a dangerous precedent to like to be able to hold Saudi Arabia legally accountable, but I think there's a difference in that Saudi Arabia has not declared war on America, and yet their people are doing some things, and you know certain financial groups within the the kingdom of supported certain things, or even if we don't know exactly what they've done, it seems like they've done something, and we need to allow people to get to the bottom of it. And that's different than America, perhaps in certain cases, committing certain war crimes in the context of a war. Um, you know, I think there's a difference between suing somebody for terrorism and suing, you know, 
uh, agents of a government who are acting under orders during the context of a war. I think that that's like, you know, there's a there's a difference there that I don't see it leading directly from Saudi Arabia to Americans being brought into the international courts every five minutes. Mm-hmm. Could be wrong, but I think it's a, it's a hypothetical that has, has yet to come to pass. Uh, Clinton mentioned at one point that she was privy to classified information such as uh, going after Osama bin Laden, which, of course, you know, she wants to get that bag line in there. I take classified materials very seriously and always have. When I was on the Senate Armed Services Committee, I was privy to a lot of classified material. Obviously, as Secretary of State, I had some of the most important secrets uh, that we possess, such as going after bin Laden. Uh, So I am very committed to taking classified information seriously. And as I said, there is no evidence uh, that any classified information ended up in the wrong hands. Okay, we're going to move on. And yet, uh, Donald Trump, let's see, he said uh, Hillary deleted 33,000 emails. Our Justice Department, where her husband goes onto the back of an airplane for 39 minutes, talks to the Attorney General days before a ruling is going to be made on her case. But for you to say that there was nothing wrong with you deleting 39,000 emails Again, you should be ashamed of yourself. What you did, and this is after getting a subpoena from the United States Congress. We have to move if on. Secretary Clinton, that, you can respond, minute, and then we got to move on. We want to give the audience the a, sector, a, a chance here. In jail, let alone after getting a subpoena from the United States Secretary Congress. Secretary Clinton, you can respond. Then we have to move on to an audience question. Look, it's just not true, and so please you, oh, go you didn't to delete them? allow you didn't her to respond, them? please. Personal emails, not oh, official. Thirty-three thousand. Not yeah, right. well. We turned over thirty-five thousand. So oh, yeah. it was. What about the other fifteen thousand? Uh, please allow her to respond. She didn't talk while you talked. Yes, that's true. I didn't. Because you I didn't in to the say. first debate, and uh, I'm going to try not to in this debate because uh, I'd like to get to the questions that the people have brought here tonight uh, to talk to us about. And get off this question. Okay, Donald, I know you're into big diversion tonight, anything to avoid talking about your campaign and the way it's exploding and the way Republicans are leaving you. But let's 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 at least focus on some of the issues that people care about tonight. Let's get to their question. We have a question here from Ken Karpowitz. He has a question about health care. Ken? I'd like to know, Anderson, why aren't you bringing up the emails? I'd like to know. Why aren't you getting to the bottom? No, it hasn't. It hasn't. And it hasn't been finished at all. Ken Carpoitz has a question. It's nice to one on three. Thank you. Affordable Care Act, known as Obamacare, it is not affordable. Premiums have gone up, deductibles have gone up, co-pays have gone up, prescriptions have gone up, and the coverage has gone down. What will you do to bring the cost down and make coverage better? That, that first one goes to Secretary Thank Clinton you. because you started out the last one to the audience. He wants to start. He can start. No, go ahead, Donald. No, I'm a gentleman, Hillary. Go ahead. Secretary Clinton. And he said they maybe said more about Don, uh, about his daughter's wedding, or about yoga. He said like maybe three, three, four, five, or something, but like not thirty-three thousand. And he said Hillary deleted thirty-nine thousand emails, and she said I turned over thirty-five thousand emails. And he said what about the other fifteen thousand? I'm like, wait a minute, what the hell's going on with the numbers here? We've got 33,000, 39,000, 35,000, and then 15,000. <laughs> like, Donald has thrown out three radically different numbers for no reason that just, they don't even add up to anything. <laughs> it's, it's incoherent. Yeah. 
And then after this exchange, Trump says, I'd like to know, Anderson, why aren't you bringing up the emails? I'd like to know. And Anderson's like, I, we brought up the emails. He's like, no, it hasn't. It hasn't. And it hasn't been finished at all. <laughs> and then Anderson says, uh, Ken, Car- Ken Carperitz has a question. And uh, Donald Trump says, one on three. <laughs> like Hillary and Martha Raddatz and uh, Anderson Cooper all ganging up on him. <laughs> but they just finished a lengthy conversation about the email, so I don't know what he was talking about. <laughs> right. And he did He did also correctly bring up the fact that uh, her husband, on the back of an airplane for 39 minutes, talked to the Attorney General days before a ruling was to be made on her case. <laughs> he sniffed very strongly at that moment. But he has a point. Like, you know, we never got a good answer. What the hell was Bill Clinton doing in the back of the airplane for 40 mm-hmm. minutes with the Attorney General? You know, that's right. like, that was fishy. <laughs> These are fishy things that... Uh, that any other candidate would be able to would be able to you know bring up and get them looked at probably right. Let's see. At one point, Anderson asked a question. He says that first one goes to Secretary Clinton. You started out the last one to the audience, Donald. He says, and she says uh, he wants to start it. He can start it. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Donald. He says, no, I'm a gentleman. I'm a gentleman, Hillary. Go ahead. <laughs> and Anderson Cooper says, Secretary Clinton. <laughs> He's not a gentleman, but it's kind of weird how she'd like try to throw the question to him when he didn't indicate that he wanted the question. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I noticed that Donald Trump often says things like, they'll never be the same. Example in San Bernardino. Many people saw the bombs all over the apartment of the two people that killed 14 and wounded many, many people. Horribly wounded. They'll never be the same. Muslims have to report the problems when they see them. He, he says that whenever, like, somebody gets raped or something, like, by one of his Mexican immigrants or whatever, mm-hmm. or whenever they get injured in something, like, like they went to the Iraq War and they, they got injured, they'll never be the same. He often, that's, that's something I've heard him say multiple times, not yeah. just in this debate. And then he said, um, he's talking about his words, radical Islamic terror. And he says, before you can solve it, you have to say the name, radical Islamic terror. And then Clinton in her answer says, violent jihadist terrorist. It's like, she wants to say basically the same thing, but without using the word Islamic. And Trump says, Captain Khan was an American hero. And if I were president at that time, he would be alive today. Because unlike her, who voted for the Iraq war without knowing what she was doing, I would not have had our people in Iraq. Iraq was a disaster. <laughs> so he would have been alive today. Um, he mentioned the Gulf states who are not carrying their weight, but they have nothing but money. Mr. Trump, in December, you said this. Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States until our country's representatives can figure out what the hell is going on. We have no choice. We have no choice. Your running mate said this week that the Muslim ban is no longer your position. Is that correct? And if it is, was it a mistake to have a religious test? First of all, Captain Khan is an American hero. And if I were president at that time, he would be alive today. Because unlike her, who voted for the war without knowing what she was doing, I would not have had our people in Iraq. Iraq was a disaster. So he would have been alive today. The Muslim ban is something that 
in some form has morphed into a extreme vetting from certain areas of the world. Hillary Clinton wants to allow and, and why did it morph into excuse that? Me, no, did me. you no answer the question? Why do you, you still believe you I do me all the time? Why don't you Would interrupt you please her? explain whether or not the Muslim ban still stands? It's called extreme vetting. We are going to areas like Syria where they're coming in by the tens of thousands because of Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton wants to allow a 550% increase over Obama. People are coming into our country like we have no idea who they are, where they're from, what their feelings about our country is, and she wants 550% more. This is going to be the great Trojan horse of all time. We have enough problems in this country. I believe in building safe zones. I believe in having other people pay for them. As an example, the Gulf states who are not carrying their weight, but they have nothing but money, and take care of people. But I don't want to have, with all the problems this country has and all of the problems that you see going on, hundreds of thousands of people coming in from Syria when we know nothing about them. We know nothing about their values, and we know nothing about their love for our country which was ironic because that sounds a lot like him. He's not paying his taxes, i.e. Uh, carrying his weight, but he has nothing but money. Um, there was a question about Hillary's quote from the leaked, uh, WikiLeaks stuff where she they said like something about she had said that politicians need both a public and private position on certain issues. Mm-hmm. And she says, well, as I recall, that was something I said about Abraham Lincoln uh, after having seen, at this point, Trump scoffs. And she says, after having seen the wonderful Steven Spielberg movie called Lincoln, it was a master's class watching President Lincoln get the Congress to approve the 13th Amendment. It's just like, come on, Hillary. Was that, you know, I need to go through the email, but was that you were talking about the movie Lincoln? You weren't talking about yourself and your flip-flopping? This question involves WikiLeaks' release of purported excerpts of Secretary Clinton's paid speeches, which she has refused to release, and one line in particular in which you, Secretary Clinton, purportedly say you need both a public and private position on certain issues. So, two from Virginia asks, is it okay for politicians to be two-faced? Is it acceptable for a politician to have a private stance on issues? Secretary Clinton, well, your two minutes. Right. As, as I recall, that was uh, something I said about Abraham Lincoln uh, after having seen the wonderful Steven Spielberg movie called Lincoln. It was a master class watching President Lincoln get the Congress to approve the 13th Amendment. It was principled and it was strategic. And I was making the point that it is hard sometimes to get the Congress to do what you want to do, and you have to keep working at it. And yes, President Lincoln was trying to convince some people, he used some arguments. Convincing other people, he used other arguments. That uh, was a great, uh, uh, I thought, a great uh, display of presidential leadership. But, you know, let's talk about what's really going on here, Martha, because our intelligence community just came out and said in the last few days that the Kremlin, meaning Putin and the Russian government, are directing the attacks, the hacking on American accounts 
to influence our election. And WikiLeaks is part of that, as are other sites where the Russians hack information. We don't even know if it's accurate information. And then they put it out. We have never in the history of our country been in a situation where an adversary, a foreign power, is working so hard to influence the outcome of the election. And believe me, they're not doing it to get me elected. They're doing it to try to influence the election for Donald Trump. Now, maybe because he has praised Putin, maybe because he says he agrees with a lot of what Putin wants to do, maybe because he wants to do business in Moscow, I don't know the reasons, but we deserve answers. And we should demand that Donald release all of his tax returns so that people can see what are the entanglements and the financial and relationships to to that, that he has Secretary with Clinton, Russians you're and other out of time. foreign powers. Well, I think I should Mr. Trump. Because it's so ridiculous. Look, now she's blaming, she got caught in a total lie. Her papers went out to all her friends at the banks, Goldman Sachs and everybody else. And she said things, WikiLeaks, that just came out. And she lied. Now she's blaming the lie on the late, great Abraham Lincoln. That's one that I haven't. Okay, honest Abe. Honest Abe never lied. That's the good thing. That's the big difference between Abraham Lincoln and you. That's a big, big difference. We're talking about some difference. But as far as other elements of what she was saying, I don't know, Putin. I think it would be great if we got along with Russia because we could fight ISIS together, as an example. But I don't know, Putin. But I notice anytime anything wrong happens, they like to say, the Russians, the Russians. She doesn't know if it's the Russians doing the hacking. Maybe there is no hacking. But they always blame Russia. And the reason they blame Russia is because they think they're trying to tarnish me with Russia. I know nothing about Russia. I know, I know about Russia, but I know nothing about the inner workings of Russia. I don't deal there. I have no businesses. I have no loans from Russia. Yeah, that was a notable spin right there. And that's the thing, too, about this WikiLeaks stuff. It's like there's some pretty damaging things in the WikiLeaks uh, emails, but, you know, Donald Trump won't stop lighting himself on fire long enough for anyone to focus on this stuff. So it's like if you just let, you know, let things die down and let people digest what's what's going on here, maybe, you know, this actually might do some damage to Hillary's campaign, but, you know, the hits just keep coming, you know, so... Yeah, I think that's the only place where people say, like, some people say that he's a Hillary plant to help her win the election by, mm-hmm. you know, distracting from her weaknesses whenever they come up. And it's, 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 I, I, like I said before, I don't go in for conspiracy theories, but like, you know, it is extremely convenient that every time something that could seriously damage her comes out, this guy just absolutely, you know, something horrible comes out about him and that dominates the news cycle for the next week. Yeah, exactly. But well, yeah, there really has yeah. not been a lot of coverage of uh, the WikiLeaks and the, as far, I don't know if it was WikiLeaks or, you know, Guccifer or whatever, the, I don't know who. Well, well it's all the, the I, mean, from. I mean, we talked about this before, but I think it's the probably the Russian government trying to get Trump elected, uh, trying to skew the election, and even the DOJ or whoever has come out and said that they think that the Russian are trying to tamper with the election so you know uh, and how much how much credence do you give to what's in the WikiLeaks emails too because some people are even saying that uh, you know they might have tampered with with them before they gave them WikiLeaks because WikiLeaks doesn't do any vetting of the things that they dump they just dump you know whatever they get so yeah well um, I tend to 
Okay, one thing that was interesting about when they talked about the part that I just talked about where she said the stuff about having a public and a private position on certain topics um, was that Anderson Cooper framed the question. He said, um, purportedly, I think these emails purportedly came from you, and they purportedly said this, and you purportedly believe this or something. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, he's already hedging that these may not be things that she actually said, but she responded in a way that indicates, yes, that's, uh, yes, I believe what I was saying was I was talking about Mm -hmm. the Steven Spielberg, she she admitted, like, she didn't say anything like, well, you know, these came from Russia, and we don't even know they came from me. I never said that, or she doesn't deny anything. She launches in, so so I don't I don't I don't buy it. You know, hmm. I think the stuff that is being released is um, it is what it is. And you know, I think like who uses email anymore? <laughs> like I I don't think I've sent an email for about like six months to a year at least. And I mean, who's still using email? <laughs> like honestly, like why is our government is our government stuck in like two thousand two? What are they still doing on email? You know. <laughs> I just, you know, I don't know. Um, anyways, talking about, Hillary does start talking about uh, Russia, and she says um, they're doing it to try to influence the election for Donald Trump. Now, maybe because he has praised Putin, maybe because he says with the, he agrees with a lot of what Putin wants to do, uh, maybe because he wants to do business in Moscow. I don't know the reasons, but we deserve answers, and we should demand that Donald release all of his tax returns. After that, you know, it just goes back into the more of the release the tax return stuff, which um, I have no idea if the tax returns would prove that he's doing business with Russia, but I don't think that the Russia thing was necessarily the right angle to get back to the tax returns thing. I think, like, you could more broadly suggest that his obsession with Putin, I think there's a lot of other ways that I would have taken that rather than just the tax returns. Um, and speaking of the tax returns, Trump did basically admit that he has written off 18 years of taxes. Mm-hmm. He basically admitted that in the debate at some point. So that mystery is solved. Yes, basically. Um, and so, so now he's responding, and he's he's going completely unhinged again. He says, "I think I should respond because so ridiculous. Look, now she's blame blaming. She got caught in a total lie. Her papers went out to all her friends at the banks, Goldman Sachs, and everybody else." He says, um, "I don't know Putin. I think it'd be great if we got along with Russia because we could fight ISIS together, as an example. But I don't know Putin." So he sounds downright childish. Like, I don't know Putin, but I think we should get along with him and then we could fight ISIS together. I mean, this is not a nuanced uh, uh, analysis of geopolitics here. Yeah. We're not going to be great friends with him. They're not really fighting ISIS. They're fighting other people in Russia. He doesn't know what's going on. Again, he demonstrates uh, his lack of knowledge, I think. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I mean, it it is interesting. Um, Are we getting to the part with uh, reading Mike Pence's quote? About um, Syria. Well, what about his? What was his Syria? Uh, it was. It was a quote that Martha somewhere. Raddatz yeah. read from the vice presidential debate about the, his Pence's uh, position on on uh, on Syria and then all that. Well, I mean, she basically just read verbatim uh, what he said, and this is kind of what we had talked about during the. Uh, during the vice president, when we were talking about the vice presidential debate, is that he has a, a fundamentally different view of what should happen in Syria and Russia uh, than than Trump has yeah. expressed. And from what I remember, Mr. Trump, let me repeat the question: If you were president, 
what would you do about Syria and the humanitarian crisis in Aleppo? And I want to remind you what your running mate said. He said, provocations by Russia need to be met with American strength and that if Russia continues to be involved in airstrikes along with the Syrian government forces of Assad, the United States of America should be prepared to use military force to strike the military targets of the Assad regime. Okay. He and I haven't spoken, and I disagree. I disagree. You disagree I think with your we running have to man. knock out ISIS. Right now, Syria is fighting ISIS. We have people that want to fight both at the same time. But Syria is no longer Syria. Syria is Russia, and it's Iran, who she made strong, and Kerry and Obama made into a very powerful nation and a very rich nation very, very quickly. Very, very quickly. Pence was much more anti-Russia than Trump is. Mm-hmm. And, and she, almost with a Cold War-like uh, Yeah, view. exactly. And then uh, after she pressed him, he basically was like, I have not spoken with him and I disagree. She was like, and you disagree with your running mate? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, okay, yeah, so yeah, how, yeah, how's the view? So, yeah, so basically just he, you know, threw Pence under the bus and uh, basically just said he disagreed with him on, on everything about Russia uh, and Syria and basically yeah. just took I mean, Russia's line on, on Syria, so. Well, uh, to be fair, he threw Pence under the bus or Pence threw him under the bus. By yeah, okay, fair enough. Reservation and doing his own thing at the vice presidential thing. Because, you know, like, like, we, like people have said, you know, this isn't Mike Pence's 2020, you know, campaign announcement. This is, you know, he's purportedly supporting Donald Trump. And so, you know, Donald Trump is crazy on almost every issue, but it is Mike Pence's job to back him up on that. So if Mike Pence was saying things that were not Donald Trump's positions, and if Donald Trump and Mike Pence don't have their communication squared the right way, I, I don't know whose fault that is. I have a feeling it's Trump's fault. <laughs> but um, but it, it is. I think it is like it's fair to say to Trump, even if he's wrong on Russia and Syria, and he's naive about it all. You know, if if Mike Pence went off and did something else about that, that that's not necessarily, you know, that doesn't make Donald Trump. Um, what can we say? That doesn't make Donald Trump wrong for reasserting his actual position in this debate, even if it conflicts with his his vice president last time. If, if that makes sense, I don't yeah, know. no, I, I get that. That's that's probably a good way of putting it. It's just uh, it's just interesting that uh, after the debate, there was an interview where Mike Pence they they read that back to him, and he was like, "Well, she didn't articulate my viewpoint, and we were on the same page." And it's like she literally read what you said, Governor. I want to ask you about your Syria policy because it sounded to be quite different than Donald. Trump's last night. You had said that the U.S. needs to be prepared to use military force to strike military targets of the Assad regime. Donald Trump last night said, I haven't talked to him about it, meaning you, and no, no, he disagrees with that. Have you talked to Donald Trump about your thoughts on Syria? I've, I've talked to him about our policy, and uh, uh, frankly, I've got a lot of respect for Martha Raddatz, but uh, she just misrepresented the statement that I made in my national debate, frankly, Allison, well, uh, you know, the but, question I mean, that I got was about Donald Aleppo, it was he... about humanitarian aid. Yes. Well, let me, if I can answer for a Go second, ahead. the question I had, and you can check the transcript, so can your viewers, was about the humanitarian crisis in Aleppo and what we ought to do. Donald Trump's position, our position has been that we need to establish safe zones and you need, you need to be willing to use 
you need to be willing to use resources and including military power to secure those safe zones to allow those people including 100,000 children to be able to evacuate last night she she conflated that and referred to general provocation and involvement by the Russians in the Syrian regime and uh, you know Donald Trump's made it clear our policy is safe zones uh, for people suffering in Syria yeah. but also his focus is on destroying ISIS in Syria uh -huh. and not regime change and I think the way she framed that was to uh, suggest that I had implied we ought to use yeah. military power to achieve regime change I simply never said that but why do you think Donald Trump said that you haven't ever spoken about it well he said we hadn't spoken specifically about what she said and and the reason for that was because I I didn't say that. <laughs> that isn't the position that I took in my debate. And, uh, and we, I understand that. I look forward to catching up with him about it today. But the point is, uh, the Governor, point hold is on, that she, she broadened you... it into a general, uh -huh. what does America do with Russian provocation in the Assad regime? Yep. I was speaking specifically about securing the safe zones. And for heaven's sakes, Allison, we have a humanitarian crisis there, 100,000 sure children do. in harm's way in Aleppo. We need to be willing, along with other nations in the region, mm -hmm. to create a secure pathway for those people to escape Aleppo yeah. before the even more violence comes and to have a safe zone that they can repair to. You have to be willing to deploy resources, including yeah. militarily, to make uh, that happen. And Donald Trump and I strongly support the establishment and securing of safe zones. And, and Governor, just because you have said to go back to the transcript, which I do have right here let me just play for everyone so that they know what the original question was in your debate and then what your original response was listen to this does the u.s have a responsibility to protect civilians and prevent mass casualties on this scale governor pence i just have to tell you that the provocations by russia need to be met with american strength uh, and, and if russia chooses to be involved and continue i should say to be involved and this barbaric attack on civilians in Aleppo, the United States of America should be prepared to use military force to strike military targets of the Assad regime, to prevent them from this humanitarian uh, crisis that is taking place in Aleppo. Governor, we only have 20 right. seconds left in your window, but it wasn't just about safe zones. I mean, you talk about the provocations by Russia yes, being it, to be Allison, met with American strength. I, I just was, yeah, I was about to thank you for playing the clip because you just confirmed everything I said to you. It's about being willing to use military force to prevent a further humanitarian crisis, to establish safe zones and allow people to escape the horrors of uh, a further barbaric action in Aleppo. Uh, Allison, plus you, you, you cut that a little bit. There was actually more that I said there. So your folks can go back and look at the whole transcript. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, Donald Trump and I stand shoulder to shoulder in this campaign. Uh, I'm honored to stand with him. I've met him in North Carolina today. Mm -hmm. And we're going to continue to present this campaign. It's a choice between two futures, a stronger America yep. at home and abroad that stands by our constitutional principles. Got it. It's like yet another Pence instance of, you know, just denying plain facts in the face of all their evidence that, you know, we can play the tape. And it's like, no, it never happened, you know, so. Yeah. I think, I think no matter how you look at it, there are some communication problems in the, in the Trump campaign because these things have not been fleshed out enough between them. So, mm -hmm. clearly. Uh, he, they started talking about taxes after she said that stuff about him. He said he wants to get rid of carried interest, which honestly, I'm not a big, uh, I'm not a big economics guy, so I don't really know what that is, unfortunately. 
but he says, like, uh, she complain- she complains that Donald Trump took advantage of the tax code. Well, why didn't you change it? Why didn't you change it when you were a senator? The reason you didn't is that all your friends take the same advantage that I do. They do. You have no provisions in the tax code that, frankly, we could change, but you wouldn't change it because all of these... Uh, all of these people that you give you money so you can take out negative ads on Donald Trump. <laughs> so he refers to himself as in third person twice there. Of course. <laughs> and I will tell you, we are cutting them. We are cutting taxes bigly on the middle class. <laughs> so <laughs> big league makes a return. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, and at this point, Hillary rubs her nose during one of Trump's sniffle attacks. Um, which I may have been innocent, but she may have been, you know, hinting to people that something's wrong with this guy. Uh, Trump said, of course I did, when they asked him if he took an 18-year tax vacation, basically, for paying taxes. <laughs> so he admits that he's proud of it. Um, number one, I pay tremendous numbers of taxes, he said. Uh, he said with her, it's all talk and no action. Mm. And he said, like, why didn't you do it? He's like, why didn't you change the laws? And she's like, uh, because I was a senator with a Republican president. She complains that Donald Trump took advantage of the tax code. Well, why didn't she change it? Why didn't you change it when you were a senator? The reason you didn't is that all your friends take the same advantage that I do. And I do. You have provisions in the tax code that, frankly, we could change. But you wouldn't change it because all of these people give you the money so you can take negative ads on Donald Trump. Which was, I thought, a, a pretty solid answer on her part. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she was one senator. She couldn't do everything in the world like he thinks he's, like, acting like she could have. Yeah. Um, and then Clinton launched into a pretty good speech, I thought, that was 30 years. It was the 30 years speech. She says, I want to talk about my 30 years of service, and I am proud of it. Look, he has now said repeatedly, 30 years this and 30 years that. So let me talk about my 30 years in public service. I'm very glad to do so. Eight million kids every year have health insurance because when I was first lady, I worked with Democrats and Republicans to create the children's health insurance program. Hundreds of thousands of kids now have a chance to be adopted because I worked to change our adoption and foster care system. After 9-11, I went to work with Republican mayor, governor, and president to rebuild New York and to get health care for our first responders who were suffering because they had run toward danger and gotten sickened by it. Hundreds of thousands of National Guard and Reserve members have health care because of work that I did. And children have safer medicines because I was able to pass a law that required the dosing to be more carefully done. When I was Secretary of State, I went around the world advocating for our country, but also advocating for women's rights to make sure that women had a decent chance to have a better life and negotiated a treaty with Russia to lower nuclear weapons. 400 pieces of legislation have my name on it as a sponsor or co-sponsor when I was a senator for eight years. I worked very hard and was very proud to be reelected in New York by an even bigger margin than I had been elected the first time. And as president, I will take that work, that bipartisan work, that finding common ground, because you you have to be able to get along with people to get things done in Washington. Thank you, Secretary. And I've proven that I can. And for 30 years, I've produced results for people. Thank you, Secretary. Trump said, you know, during about the 
after Hillary Clinton pointed out that she wasn't the Secretary of State at the time of the Syria red line, line in the sand kind of stuff, that incident, at that point it was John Kerry. Mm-hmm. Um, Trump said, sadly, Obama still listened to you. I don't think I'd be listening to you very much anymore. First of all, she was there as Secretary of State with the so-called line in the sand, which... No, I wasn't. I was gone. I hate to interrupt okay. you, but but you were in contact. Point, excuse me. At some you point, were, we need you to You were do in some total contact with the White House, and perhaps, sadly, Obama probably still listened to you. I don't think he'd be listening very much anymore. He says we are old and tired in terms of nuclear. Russia is very new in nuclear. Uh, and he, he continues with this conspiracy theory that even though she wasn't the Secretary of State, that Obama was still listening to her as if she were the Secretary of State. And he says um, she wasn't there, but, but, but perhaps she was consulted. <laughs> like, perhaps she was consulted. That's not – you've got to bring facts. You've got to bring, like, hard stuff to the debate. You can't be, like, speculating about, well, I think you might have been doing this at this point. I'm surprised she didn't really ding on that, but mm-hmm. – Martha Raddatz at this point came after Trump really hard multiple times after he avoided questions on what would happen if Aleppo falls. And Martha Raddatz was like visibly angry with him at this point. She was visibly, visibly very angry at him. And um, Hillary said, uh, Donald says he knows more about ISIS than the generals. No, he doesn't. Uh, Clinton's position is kind of like one of the things is to arm the Kurds. Um, I would also consider arming the Kurds. The Kurds have been our best partners in uh, Syria as well as Iraq. And I know there's a lot of concern about that in some circles, but I think they should have the equipment they need so that Kurdish and Arab fighters on the ground are the principal way that we take Raqqa after pushing ISIS out of Iraq. Thank you very much. We're going to you move know, on. She we went got... over a minute over, and you don't stop her. When I go one second over, it's like You a had many deal. answers. It's really, it's really very interesting. We've got a question over here from uh, James Carter. Mr. Carter? My question is, do you believe you can be a devoted president to all the people in the United States. That question begins for Mr. Trump. Absolutely. I mean, uh, she calls our people deplorable, a large group, and irredeemable. I will be a president for all of our people, and I'll be a president that will turn our inner cities around and will give strength to people and will give economics to people and will bring jobs back because NAFTA, signed by her husband, is perhaps the greatest disaster trade deal in the history of the world. Not in this country. It stripped us of manufacturing jobs. We lost our jobs. We lost our money. We lost our plants. It is a disaster. And now she wants to sign TPP, even though she says now she's for it. She called it the gold standard. And by the way, at the last debate, she lied because it turned out that she did say the gold standard. And she said she didn't say it. They actually said that she lied, okay? And she lied, but she's lied about a lot of things. I would be a president for all of the people, African-Americans, the inner cities, devastating what's happening to our inner cities. She's been talking about it for years. As usual, she talks about it, nothing happens. She doesn't get it done. And I'm surprised there wasn't a follow-up question on that, because if we arm the Kurds, 
the Turks are going to be mad as hell because they think all the Kurds are going to come and try to, you know, do the, the Kurdish separatist movement in the southeast part of Turkey there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm surprised, frankly, I'm surprised there wasn't a follow-up to that because that's obviously a, a foreign policy war question that would have ramifications with other allies of ours in the region. So I was surprised they didn't follow that up, but whatever. Um, Trump said, we will give economics to people. Um, <laughs> economics are not ours to give, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> he has a way with exactly words. Exactly how many economics we'll give and to whom will they be given. Um, I also noticed at this point Donald Trump had taken a question from an African-American fellow who was talking about, you know, how will you both get the votes of everybody in the country? And I noticed that when in Trump's response, he started using the terms African-American and inner cities almost interchangeably, um, which, you know, everybody thinks that he believes that all African-Americans of America live in the inner cities. He at, point, at some point said, uh, and believe me, she has tremendous hate in her heart. She's got tremendous hatred, which was an interesting thing to say. Mm-hmm. We have a divided nation. We have a very divided nation. You look at Charlotte, you look at Baltimore, you look at the violence that's taking place in the inner cities, Chicago, you take a look at Washington, D.C. We have a increase in murder within our cities, the biggest in 45 years. We have a divided nation because people like her, and believe me, she has tremendous hate in her heart. And when she said deplorables, she meant it. And when she said irredeemable, they're irredeemable. You didn't mention that. But when she said they're irredeemable, to me, that might have been even worse. She said she's some of them tremendous, are She's got tremendous hatred. And this country cannot take another four years of Barack Obama. And that's what you're getting with her. Mr. Trump, let me follow up with you. In 2008, you wrote in one of your books that the most important characteristic of a good leader is discipline. You said if a leader doesn't have it, quote, he or she won't be one for very long. In the days after the first debate, you sent out a series of tweets from 3 a.m. to 5 a.m., including one that told people to check out a sex tape. Is that the discipline of a good leader? No, it wasn't check out a sex tape. It was just take a look at the person that she built up to be this wonderful uh, Girl Scout who was no Girl Scout. By the the way, just so you understand, when she said 3 o'clock in the morning, take a look at Benghazi. She said, who's going to answer the call at 3 o'clock in the morning? Guess what? She didn't answer because when Ambassador Stevens... The question is, is that the discipline of a good leader? 600 times. Well, she said she was awake at 3 o'clock in the morning. And she also sent a tweet out at 3 o'clock in the morning, but I won't even mention that. But she said she'll be awake. Who's got the famous thing? We're going to answer our call at 3 o'clock in the morning. Guess what happened? Ambassador Stevens, Ambassador Stevens sent 600 requests for help. And the only one she talked to was Sidney Blumenthal, who's her friend. And not a good guy, by the way. So, you know, she shouldn't be talking about that. Now, tweeting happens to be a modern-day form of communication. I mean, you can like it or not like it. I have, between Facebook and Twitter, I have almost 25 million people. It's a very effective way of communication. So you can put it down, but it is a very effective form of communication. I'm not unproud of it, to be honest with you. Secretary Clinton, does Mr. Trump have the discipline to be a good leader? No. I'm shocked to hear that. And they, they were talking about him, you know, being up at 3 a.m. tweeting and sentences. Tweeting happens to be a modern form of communication. I mean, you can like it or not like it. It's a very effective means of communication. I'm not unproud of it, to be honest with you. 
Mm-hmm. That struck me as well. I'm not that was the... unproud. <laughs> I'm not unproud of my midnight tweeting. <laughs> That's a very strange formulation, I think. <laughs> That's a very weak double negative. <laughs> I'm not unproud of it. Are you proud of it? No, but I'm not unproud. <laughs> no. Yeah, I had to look that word up to make sure it was an actual word after I heard that. <laughs> I don't think it is, is it? It is. It's just very uh, not it's very sparingly uh, used. <laughs> I don't think he used it like a real word. No, he didn't. I, I don't think he knows it's not a real. It's a real word. But I, I, it was a funny thing. Like tweeting happens to be a modern day form of communication. Now you can like it or not like it. I was thinking like when he said that. I'm like, I wonder if the CEOs of Twitter, like if he wins the presidency, are they going to like use that as advertising for their platform? Like the president of the United States says that tweeting is a modern form of communication. <laughs> he's even like he's even not unproud about it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that would be a, I don't know. It depends on how normalized he becomes, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, on the Supreme Court, Hillary Clinton says that the things that are important to her are uh, overturning Citizens United. I think the current court has gone in the wrong direction. And so I would want to see uh, the Supreme Court uh, reverse Citizens United and get dark, unaccountable money out of our politics Donald doesn't agree with that. Good. Sounds like a burning position. Uh, voting rights, good. Republican dollars trying to take them away. Roe versus Wade, protecting it. Marriage equality, of course. And she doesn't want to always side with corporate interests or rich people. That sounds, again, more like Bernie talk, which is probably good that she's mentioning, I guess. Hopefully she's passionate about it. Mm-hmm. On the Supreme Court, Trump said he wants somebody in the mold of Scalia. He's chosen 21 possibilities. Someone who respects the Constitution. Justice Scalia, great judge, died recently, and we have a vacancy. I am looking to appoint judges very much in the mold of Justice Scalia. I'm looking for judges, and I've actually picked 20 of them, so that people would see highly respected, highly thought of, and actually very beautifully reviewed by just about everybody, but people that will respect the Constitution of the United States. And I think that this is so important. Also, the Second Amendment, which is totally under siege by people like Hillary Clinton. They'll respect the Second Amendment and what it stands for, what it represents. So important to me. Now, Hillary mentioned something about uh, contributions, just so you understand. So. I will have, in my race, more than $100 million put in of my money, meaning I'm not taking all of this big money from all of these different corporations like she's doing. What I ask is this. So I'm putting in more than, by the time it's finished, I'll have more than $100 million invested. Pretty much self-funding mine. We're raising money for the Republican Party, and we're doing tremendously on the small donation, $61 average or so. I asked Hillary, why doesn't she made $250 million by being in office. She used the power of her office to make a lot of money. Why isn't she funding, not for 100 million, but why don't you put 10 or 20 or 25 or 30 million dollars into your own campaign? It's 30 million dollars less for special interests that will tell you exactly what to do. And it would really, I think, be a nice sign to the American public. Why aren't you putting some money in? You have a lot of it. You've made a lot of it. 
because of the fact that you've been in office. You made a lot of it while you were Secretary of State, actually. So why aren't you putting money into your own campaign? I'm just curious. Even as Donald Trump continues to prove that he doesn't respect the Constitution. Um, speaking of the Constitution, did you see the thing like Republicans now want to overturn the 19th Amendment or whatever all over Twitter? They were talking yeah, about that. I did see that. It said that if women didn't have the vote in America, then Donald Trump would win. They're like, that's great. We'll just overturn the 19th Amendment, which gave women the right to vote, and we'll have our president. <laughs> yeah. These people, they don't, like, they... If they, any time that they ever say the Constitution, the founding fathers are going to be spitting over in their graves, right? I mean, like, you, you can't be talking about taking away women's rights to vote from the Constitution and talk about respecting the Constitution. That's that's absolutely ridiculous. So I'm sure they're just joking, some of them. Maybe some of not them. all of them. Maybe some of them are serious about it, but who knows with them? They're not, I mean, nothing they do is serious in a way. Mm-hmm. But, um... That's just something that started trending today that I saw. So yeah. Uh, so anyways, he want, he says he wants a Supreme Court nominee who respects the Constitution. We'll see about that. And he said the Second Amendment, which is under siege from people like Hillary, which is ridiculous. Um, at this point, a fly landed on Hillary's blouse, and it stayed there for, by my count, something like thirty seconds while he was talking. He said things like, why won't Hillary put her own money into the campaign? Like, by the end of the campaign, I'll probably spend $100 million on the campaign. And he's like, she doesn't have to spend $100 million, but maybe she could spend, like, $10 million on her own campaign or something. It's like, we all know that Donald Trump is, like, basically funneling, funneling all the money in his campaign back into his own businesses to come back to him. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's not spending his own money, really. Mm-hmm. Then we came to the Kim Bone. We have one more question from Ken Bone about uh, energy policy. Ken? What steps will your energy policy take to meet our energy needs while at the same time remaining environmentally friendly and minimizing job loss for fossil power plant workers? The infamous red, <laughs> red, uh, red teacher, red shirt or whatever. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump said China is dumping vast amounts of steel all over the United States. You take a look at what's happening to steel and the cost of steel and China dumping vast amounts of steel all over the United States, which essentially is killing our steel workers and our steel companies. We have to guard our energy companies. We have to make it possible. The EPA is so restrictive that they are putting our energy companies out of business. And all you have to do is go to a great place like West Virginia or places like Ohio, which is phenomenal, or places like Pennsylvania, and you see what they're doing to the people, miners and others in the energy business. It's a disgrace. Your time is up. Thank you, sir. It's an absolute disgrace. Secretary Clinton, two minutes. Well, that was very interesting. Um, First of all, China is illegally dumping steel in the United States, and Donald Trump is buying it to build his buildings, putting steel workers and American steel plants out of business. That's something that I fought against as a senator and that I would have a a trade prosecutor to make sure that we don't get taken advantage of by China on steel or anything else. 
And I mean, I, I'm aware of this issue. I'm aware that China, like they undersell the value of their steel at prices lower than what it costs to manufacture something in America to destroy the American steel mm-hmm. industry. I mean, that's I think I've heard that like six months ago somewhere or something. I read mm-hmm. not on it or something. It's, I don't know if I'm 100 percent right on that, but that's what I understand. Yeah, it sounds right. One hour, 26 minutes, and 51 seconds. Hillary does the nose thing again after Trump sniffs. <laughs> she did that again. Um, Hillary pointed out China is illegally dumping steel in the U.S. and Donald is buying it to build his building, which is apparently true. He buys cheap Chinese steel to build his Trump towers and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had the final question of the debate. Name one positive thing that you respect about each other. What do you think of that? Interesting and funny question. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was a good question. And frankly, I hate to say it, but I think Hillary came off kind of, uh, what can we say? What's the word for it? What would you say? Uh, a little catty, a little petty. I mean, she, she said, oh, you have nice kids or whatever. I think there is some precedent for that, yeah. though, because I do know that uh, – yeah, Chelsea and I think Tiffany Trump are friends. I'm, I'm going to get that wrong. Ivanka. Or maybe it's Ivanka. You could be right. I knew that one of the Trump kids and 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 uh, you know their kid was was friends. So maybe that has you know was her go-to thing because that's the only thing she could think of. But we've sneaked in one more question, and it comes from Carl Becker. My question to both of you is, regardless of the current rhetoric, would either of you name one positive thing that you respect in one another? Mr. Trump, would you like to go first? Well, I I certainly will because uh, I think that's a a very fair and important question. Look, I respect his children. His children are incredibly able and devoted, and I think that says a lot about Donald. I don't agree with nearly anything else he says or does, but I do respect that, and I think that is something uh, that, as a mother and a grandmother, is very important to me. Uh, So... I believe that this election has become, in part, so um, so conflict-oriented, so intense, uh, because there's a lot at stake. This is not an ordinary time, and this is not an ordinary election. We are going to be choosing a president who will set policy for not just four or eight years, but because of some of the important decisions we have to make here at home, and around the world, from the Supreme Court to energy and so much else. And so there is a lot at stake. It's one of the most consequential elections that we've had. And that's why I've tried to put forth specific policies and plans, trying to get it off of the personal and put it on to what it is I want to do as president. And that's why I hope people will uh, check on that for themselves so that they can see uh, that, yes, I've spent 30 years, actually maybe a little more, Uh, working to help kids and families, and I want to take all that experience uh, to the White House and do that every single day. Mr. Trump. Well, I consider her statement about my children to be a very nice compliment. I don't know if it was meant to be a compliment, but it is a great. I'm very proud of my children. And uh, 
they've done a wonderful job and they've been wonderful, wonderful kids. So uh, I consider that a compliment. Uh, I will say this about Hillary. She doesn't quit. She doesn't give up. I respect that. I tell it like it is. She's a fighter. I disagree with much of what she's fighting for. I do disagree with her judgment in many cases. But she does fight hard, and she doesn't quit, and she doesn't give up. And I consider that to be a very good trait. Yeah, it didn't come off well for her, especially given Trump's answer. So, Yeah, and to be fair, she went first. So it is possible that if he'd gone, if, if, you know, if he had gone first and said something, like she could have responded in more. I mean, whoever goes first, the other person has the option to think on their feet quickly and respond in a way. If they say something nice about you, you could say something nice about them. If they say something mean about you, you could say something nice about them. If they say if they say something mean about you, you could respond in kind. If they say, you know, basically you can modulate your answer to how they answered, which I think he did a really good job of. Um, and the thing was, after they asked the question... Um, the moderator said, like, name, let's see. They said, Mr. Trump, would you like to go first? And Mr. Trump didn't really respond. And then Hillary said, well, I certainly will. I respect his children. And I'm like, Hillary, they didn't ask you. They asked him. I mean, he didn't respond quickly, but I, I maybe I need to watch it again and make sure that he was really avoiding the question. But it seemed like she was kind of dumping in there for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I respect his children. And, you know, I'm a mother and I'm a grandmother, and so I, that's important. And I think the fact that his kids are standing by him, even as he does all this stuff, says a lot about it. That's – it is – it's catty. It's it's like – I mean, he's a terrible person, but, like, I don't know. I don't know. I think, they're, I think he did kind of make her look bad because he actually came back with something that I think that – even most Republicans probably didn't want to hear. He said, uh, she doesn't quit. She doesn't give up. I respect that. I tell it like it is. She's a fighter. I disagree with much of what she's fighting for. I do disagree with her judgment in many cases, but she does fight hard, and she doesn't quit, and she doesn't give up, and I consider that to be a very good trait. I'm like, that's, I mean, that's about 10 times nicer than what I would have expected him to say about her. Yeah, but remember what he said in the first debate about how she doesn't have the stamina or whatever? I mean, which is it? You know, like, does she not have the stamina or is she a tough fighter, you know? (laughs) like. Yeah, well, if we're looking for consistency on any of these people, I I, I don't know. I think maybe after the first debate, I think probably Kelly and Conway sat him down and told him, look, you can't talk about stamina until you can go the full two hours without like looking like you're flagging and stuff. So I think he probably got a memo to cut out the stamina talk. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they've been slinging shit at each other for an hour and a half and stuff. And, and he just two days, like 48 hours before the debate had the, the video drop where he's being horrible to women and stuff. And, and, you know, Billy Bush lost his job. Donald Trump has still got the support of a large section of his own party to become the president of the United States. It's like, he's a bad person, but I don't know that you score points by coming across as caddy in the response to 
Mm-hmm. Name one good thing about. I mean, this is not a trick question. This isn't like on a job interview where you say what your greatest weakness is, and it's like, well, I really work too hard. That's my <laughs> biggest problem. And I, I don't think that that was. It's transparent. And I don't think it was called for. You know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I, and I don't think there's too much good things you can say about the guy. But um, you got to you got to find something on because he kind of. I don't know. He he ended the debate on a on a note where he you know gave her some credit and seemed to be very genuine about it. It seems like I mean it seems like he really meant it. It wasn't. There was no hint of you know aside from the, I don't always agree with what she fights for, but I respect the fact that she fights very hard, and I think that's a good quality. I mean, like that's uh, that's 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 a pretty good uh, that's a pretty good feather to put in the cap of your enemy. Mm-hmm. So. Anyways, yeah, overall, so I mean, we, we talk about everything that happened, but he's a bad person, right? Yeah, of course. Some bad things. <laughs> and if he really thought that the Clintons were so terrible, why did he invite them to his third wedding? It's not like they've changed that much or any new yeah. big revelations about the Clintons have come out since then. It's like, you know, he seemed okay with them then, you know, why the big change other than the fact you're running against him, you know? So... Yeah, yeah, the hypocrisy and the they they need each other. You know, at that time he wants to have big important people in the world come to his wedding and she wants the donor money. And mm-hmm. so it works out well for both of them and so neither one of them asks too many questions about, you know, Bill's sexual exploits or Donald Trump's treatment of his workers or treatment of women or mm-hmm. general attitudes on race and stuff. I mean like they're all that, that's the thing, that's why I wanted Bernie Sanders in there. I d I don't like having all these people that go to the same parties and run in the same circles. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, uh, these people, like, I mean, even with the thing with the, uh, with the 12 year old rape fix in the beginning, we were talking about, like, I mean, that's again, this is a woman and Hillary, Hillary's gotten rid of her Arkansas accent. This woman still got a thick rural Arkansas accent. Yeah, you know, I was listening to an interview from '92 with Hillary, and she still had that man. Mm-hmm. She's really lost that, you know, like she doesn't have that anymore. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, I mean, that woman, she never got to have kids. Her, I mean, her her life doesn't look like it turned out so great and everything. And yet we have these two people who go to the same wedding, they go to each other's wedding, they give each other money, and these people are running to be the president of the United States. And they, they bitch and they moan and they act like they hate each other, which I'm sure they do at this point. And at least one of them has been revealed to be a horrible person, and the other person has been revealed to be a pretty dirty campaigner within her own primary, at least. Um but you know, but these people um, who come from the same class—I mean, I don't mean that they were born to the same class—but you know, Hillary made her way into this class, and Donald Trump was basically born with a silver spoon in his mouth. And these people from this level of society, I think, in the in the in the Golden Sox transcripts or whatever that were released by WikiLeaks or whoever, um, she said something to the effect of—and I don't want to make it sound worse than it was—but it didn't sound great. She said like. Um, you know, I don't really, I'm not connected with the middle class anymore or something like that. I don't understand the plight of the middle class anymore, although I used to be a member of them. I'm sure I'm butchering it right now, but, but I mean, I think that's true. I mean, it's like, we've got two members of the upper class who have had 
financial and social and, you know, to some degree political power for a very long time. And these are the people who are running for president. And they don't get it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when they talk about the middle class, they, everybody talks about the middle class. Nobody ever talks about what they're going to do for the lower class, mm-hmm. right? I think that's a frustrating thing in America. Mm-hmm. Because... You know, like, I don't think that, like, for me, I don't know that I'm ever going to buy a house, you know? I just don't see it ever happening. I don't see myself ever having that much money. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and I, I don't see myself ever buying a new car. I don't see myself ever doing that. I'm going to be buying, like, 10-year-old cars probably if I when I need a car to drive or something. It's like, so I don't even know if I, uh, you know, maybe when I was growing up I felt like I was in the middle class, but I don't know if I would even say I'm in the middle class, I think. If anything, I may be in the lower class. And so these people are always like, we got to do more, not just for the upper class, but for the middle class. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> You're almost there. <laughs> you know, but they, they always talk about the middle class. Uh, and I think it's, you know, it's probably because, like they say, Americans don't, believe, Americans don't believe that they're in the lower class, right? Right. Americans think that they are in the middle class or that they are... Americans all believe that they are like um, uh, rightfully members of the upper class who have fallen on tough times temporarily or something. I'm, I'm butchering that quote. Too, yeah, it's, it's like, like uh, you know, temporarily inconvenienced millionaires, I think was the quote. Yeah, yeah, like we're all going to make it someday. We don't want to take away the taxes before we get there. Or <laughs> yeah, right. Add more taxes before we get there. It's like, yeah, things are going to turn around for me. I, I may not be wealthy right now, but... But I think, like, you know, after the financial crisis, I think a lot of people have to take a good, hard look at their lives and say, you know what, maybe I felt like I used to be in the middle class, but it doesn't look like I am anymore, and I may never be again. And uh, I want a politician who represents uh, my interests, mm-hmm. you know, and my interests may not be the middle class interests anymore, mm-hmm. and they're certainly not the upper class interests. Right. That was, uh, but anyways, yeah, that was that pretty well concludes my notes on the debate. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have any more thoughts on the debate itself? Yeah, it was it was just kind of an ugly, depressing debate. I don't really feel like we pulled anybody from one side to another. I just felt like it kind of got got nasty and stayed that way for most of it. Uh, there were a few interesting points there, like we pointed out, but yeah, I just didn't feel the, the same charge I felt watching the first one that, you know, we were all waiting for that big initial clash, and I don't know. What do you think about these? Some people are saying that we shouldn't even have a third debate. Like, what, it's like, what, what's the point, you know? I don't know. I think like we might as well have the third debate. Yeah. But um but to be honest, like I mean after we had we've had rapid fire debates. We had like the presidential debate and then we had the vice presidential debate. And even though I was really waiting for this debate after especially after last Friday when the mm-hmm. the, the video dropped and everything mm-hmm. and I was really waiting for it and I watched the first forty minutes almost immediately. But then I you know, I knew I needed to take a lot of notes and prepare for, you know, us to analyze it and go through it a little bit and stuff. Mm-hmm. And just the, the prospect of sitting down for several hours and going through it with a fine tooth comb and trying to take as many notes as I could and stuff and moving at five minutes every twenty or thirty minutes is like it was really daunting and it kinda I put it off until today when I needed to get it done. Mm-hmm. In a way that might have been good because it was fresh in my mind, but at the same time, like as somebody who's trying to take notes and comment on this intelligently to some degree like I mean it is daunting and it is wearing me down a little bit so yeah but I don't think they should cancel the next debate necessarily mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think we should at least go through with it, but it's going to be ugly. <laughs> I'm surprised this one wasn't a little bit more ugly, honestly. I thought, I thought surely, you know, 40 minutes after Donald Trump's tape on the bus, um, there was going to be more focus on that, but they really just knocked that out of the way in the first five or ten minutes and right. really come back to it. Mm-hmm. It shocked me because that was that was incontrovertible evidence that this this guy doesn't belong anywhere near power. Mm-hmm. You know, power corrupts absolutely. Power corrupts absolute. Power corrupts absolutely. This guy, if anybody's ever shown that they do not need more power, it is this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. But what have you noticed um, on Facebook or in the context of the newspaper or just any any area where you come into contact with Trump supporters? Oh, people are still supporting him. I mean, we've seen what have their defenses been? Well, I mean, we discussed a lot of them. I mean, it's, it's kind of been the oh, Bill Clinton did this, and you know, Hillary's should be in prison, and blah blah blah. And I don't know. It's like it's it's just it's kind of not fun to talk about politics anymore. I just wish this election was over in a lot of ways because I feel like it's not like oh, we disagree, but we can still respect each other. I feel like people feel like if you disagree with them on politics, that it's like some you know indication of poor moral character to like not agree at this point so I don't know I just feel like it's like we're in a really like especially on the Republican side in a really ugly part and at the Republican party's in the process of cracking up and there's you know purity tests and show trials ahead for for people uh, after this is done after Trump goes down in flames so I don't know it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens to the Republican party after this because I don't see how they go forward as a unified front because there's this alt-right wing that's taken over the party and there's the moderate Republicans that don't feel like they have a party and you know there's Paul Ryan in the middle trying to ride it but see that's the thing I don't get about Paul Ryan it's like he's not endorsing he's still not unendorsing Trump but he's not supporting him but he's still you know all the people that support Trump are mad at him just as much as if he had unendorsed so I don't know why he just doesn't go all the way and just unendorse and then like salvage something of his credibility for after the election you know because I assume he's still going to want to be a Republican after this, and they're going to have to pick up the pieces somehow. And I don't know. He doesn't seem like he's making anybody happy yeah. by trying to ride this middle ground. So, Yeah, I think, I mean, I can understand the fact that he is, you know, one of the highest people in the Republican Party right now. And so, at least, you know, in name, he has to remain loyal to the Republican Party and their candidate and their nominee and everything. Um, but... I think he should realize by now that pretty much everybody, you know, it's the it's the, the Trump dead enders are still there, that everybody else is screaming to get off the boat, and everybody who sticks with Trump after this point is going to suffer. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know, if he'd made a principled stand, you know, he may have a rough three or four months or two or three months, but probably after that he can salvage something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think the the Republican Party needs to have a, a reformation here a little bit. They need to, you know, kick certain people out. They need to have that moment, like, apparently, that, uh, that, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, uh, what's his name? 1996 Republican nominee. Bob Dole? Yeah, like Bob Dole, where he, he had a meeting or something, and he was giving a speech, and he said, okay, first thing, 
all the racists in here get out and walk to the exits. You're not mm-hmm. welcome in this party right now. Or something. Right. I mean, like they need to have them. Like they need a clean house. They need to tell these people, look, <laughs> you're destroying our party. You're destroying our chances. And the Democrats are going to rule national elections until we until we clean house and get this thing like make ourselves a good party again. Mm-hmm. Um, what about one of the defenses that I've seen a lot of people posting is like a. Well, you know, millions and millions of women watched uh, watched uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, and yet they're mad about a few words that Donald Trump said. Oh, aren't they hypocrites? What about that? How do you how do you respond to that? Uh, oh, that's uh, looking mean. Uh, well, first of all, that was fiction. Secondly, uh, yeah, yeah. Secondly, I don't think that was rape. I think it was forceful uh, S and M play with you know power dynamics. But I don't think it was. I, I think that everyone was a willing participant there. Um, so that's yeah. another thing. But yeah, it's it's ridiculous. This is the same finger pointing that people do instead of like this is what they call gaslighting. It's like you're not you you basically accuse the other person of doing the exact thing that you're doing, you know, to like make them think that they're crazy, you know. So yeah, gaslighting. That's one of those like kind of newfangled terms that I forget what it means, and I have to look up what it means exactly every time I read it in an article somewhere. It's like, wait, what is, what is that again? Well, I, I think a perfect example would be uh, when Mike Pence called uh, Tim Kaine and Hillary Clinton's campaign an insult-driven campaign. That, that, that There's your perfect example of gaslighting. The the running mate of Donald Trump calling the opposition an insult-driven campaign is, is the definition of gaslighting, because it's like, that's exactly what the Trump campaign is doing. They're based on nothing but bile. And he's going to defend himself by accusing the other side of doing exactly what they're doing. So it makes you question your own, yeah. you know, you know what I mean? So. Okay, so kind of like throws people off base. Where does the term come from? Like, I'm pretty sure I read where gaslighting comes from. It's from a play. I don't know the name of the play, but it's uh, the, the basic idea is it's a husband trying to make his wife think that she's crazy by uh, slightly dimming the lights. And uh, she'll say, "Hey, the lights are kind of dimming out here." He's like, "No, I think that you're something wrong with you, or whatever." So it's like he's trying to make her think that oh. she's the crazy one. So that's oh, a, that's so cool. what I remember of it. So interesting. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I, well, anyways, I think yeah, like the the whole yeah. Obviously, Fifty Shades of Grey. That's a that's a fantasy. Fantasy is not necessarily reality, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, from what I understand, this this gray fellow. Like, I didn't read the book and I didn't see the movie. Actually, I probably should see the movie. I saw the movie. I've read the first five pages um, like know, ten times. It's so bad. <laughs> I'm familiar with some of the more um, some of the poor writing sections that have been, you know, come up on BuzzFeed or whatever. Uh-huh. Like, oh, look at this stupid passage in the book. Yeah. Um, I can't remember, I can't quote them right now, but they were pretty funny, I guess. But, mm-hmm. but the thing is, like, I mean, like the gray guy. I mean, he's handsome, right? He's handsome as fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's a difference between a handsome as fuck guy coming onto a chick and stuff in a in a perhaps an aggressive way, 
Um, which, you know, maybe it's not okay if she's not okay with it. And I, I didn't read the book, so I don't know what the dynamic was. But there's a difference between that and, like, 59-year-old, 65-year-old, whatever he is now, Donald Trump, this creepy old gas bag who, you know, puts in the Tic Tacs like he's, like, like he's popping MDMA at a rave or something. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's kind of like, I mean there's, a, there's a huge difference, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I gotta say, like, well, I'm rich, so I can get away with it. Like, I mean, it's just—it's disgusting. It's despicable. And the thing is, if anybody on the Democratic side had done anything half as bad as that, mm-hmm. how much hay would every single Republican be trying to make out of it right now? Mm-hmm. So the hypocrisy. And and if a if a Democrat had done it, how many Democrats would still be defending them? Mm. You know, zero percent. I mean. It, I mean, there's an argument to be made that certain Clinton diehards would defend Clinton no matter what, but she obviously would not be in the same, it wouldn't be the same dynamics if she did something like this, and Mm-mm. she's not going to do something like this. So, yeah. you know, as far as sexual abuse of other people, that's just not in Hillary Clinton's DNA, I think you can safely say. Yeah. Um, and who knows? We've got it. We've got another month left in this campaign. Who knows what we're on? Well, I'm just I'm just yeah. throwing that out there as a guess. No, exactly. But, well, um, yeah. Another thing is uh, Sean Hannity. After this uh, Billy Bush tape came out, uh, his defense was, "Well, King Solomon had 500 wives." <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, Hannity. You read the Bible. Got it. <laughs> And you've also proved why the Bible is not a uh, not a good thing for modern day morality to base it on. But whatever. Right, right. But this well, is from the same party that was like marriage was between man and a woman, and then it's like, hey, King Solomon, hey. <laughs> yeah. Well, these, yeah. I mean, but can you imagine if Don, uh, uh, Van Jones, like from I think he's from MSNBC or CNN. Mm-hmm. I don't know where he's from. I think CNN maybe. Mm-hmm. He's a pretty smart guy, and he, he had a thing on YouTube or Facebook Live or something the other day where he was saying like, if Barack Obama had been has gone around grabbing people's crotches and uh, talking about women in the way that Donald Trump did. They would call him a thug and worse. Mm-hmm. And he's like, but they're going to defend Donald Trump when he does it. But if he said, you know, Barack Obama had to be so good, he had to be extremely good mm-hmm. to get anywhere near the White House. And even then, they still call him all these names and stuff. And, and if he had had any slip like what Donald Trump has done, they would all be over for that. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely positively true. Yep. And. And I think that's something that needs to be asked when Republicans come on and they complain about this or they say it's a big, it's much to do about nothing with Donald Trump and all these accusations and stuff. It's just words. You gotta ask them, okay, well, let's, you know, if Bill Clinton had done this, if Barack Obama had done this, if, if Hillary Clinton had done something any way comparable to this, mm-hmm. you're saying you would just write it off as just words? Mm-hmm. We both know that's not true. Right. All right, y'all know I'm about to go off. Uh, this is the most ridiculous nonsense. And I'm not just talking about Trump. I'm talking about the way that the media is dealing with this. If Donald Trump were black, the very first word used to describe him would be thug. Let's just start with that. The fact that we're talking about locker room banter, what locker room you in? Uh, I don't know no lock. First of all, Donald Trump has not been in a locker room or a gym for at least 30 years. So he cannot blame the locker room on anything. Donald Trump 
the number if he were black, the number one thing you'd be saying about Donald Trump is that he is a thug. Uh, number two, let's just be really clear. Donald Trump has confessed to a sex crime. I want to be very clear about that. Uh, when, when black people do stuff, we quickly rush to criminality. When white people do stuff, it's like, okay, uh, well, this is frat boy behavior. When it's, when it's us, it's, it's, a, it's thuggish behavior, frat boy behavior, locker room behavior. What are you talking about? If I were to go up to Donald Trump and grab Donald Trump's crotch and try to kiss Donald Trump, I would go to jail. I would be arrested. That's called sexual assault. It is a crime. Okay? It's a crime. You can't do that. You have somebody running for president of the United States who has confessed on tape to committing sex crimes, and people are talking about it as if there's something wrong with the language. We're talking about him using lewd speech. I don't care about the speech. I've heard those words before. What I care about is the activity, the language, the deeds that he is describing. He is describing sexual assault. He is describing being a sexual predator. And we're worrying about the words he used? If he left the words out and described the same conduct, it's still terrible. So I, I, we have to deal with this in an honest way. Um, second of all, can you imagine if Barack Obama, let's just be honest now, is he supposed to be running for president? Let's not lower the standard for this man. What if Barack Obama had five children by three different women? Let's just start with that. Let's just start with that. Obama had to be perfect beyond perfect beyond perfect to even be considered to be president. This man has five kids by three different women. If he was a brother, they would be talking about all you know, the breakdown of the black family and all this sort of stuff. What's wrong with this man? Second of all, can you imagine if this man, if Barack Obama had come out and said, um, or had been caught on video talking about he's grabbing P-words. I don't want to offend anybody, but he's grabbing people's crotches. He can kiss anybody he wants to. He's a star. He's a celebrity. He can do whatever he wants to. They like it. It, it. it would be over. We would be talking about the breakdown of values and what's wrong with black men and black male violence and all that sort of stuff. And yet, if we're going to be real about it, if we're going to tell the truth about it, white male sexual violence is always hiding in plain sight. Uh, slavery was a massive, continued, two- or three-century-long exercise in white male sexual violence. But we don't talk about it that way. Uh, the, we always worry about when, you know, some scary black threat uh, you know, hiding around a bush or in a corner. But most women who are sexually assaulted are sexually assaulted by somebody talking like Donald Trump. Uh, th this is exactly what 90 plus percent of sexual assault walks like, looks like, and talks like, especially if you're white. This is your, this is your number one nightmare, somebody acting like this. I have not heard this man called a thug. I have not heard him called a sex criminal. I have not heard him called anything except someone who spoke in a lewd manner. These, these words might offend you. Listen, it's 2016. 
Those words are all over the place. You, you got kids and they're on YouTube, they hear the words all the time. That's not the problem. The problem is the deeds. The problem is the conduct. The problem are the things he is doing. And, and, and the idea that this is somehow the law and order candidate. Let's be very, very clear. You want to get deep with it? Let's get deep with it. This man wanted five young men, African-American men in New York, the Central Park Five, not to be convicted, not to be in prison, but to be executed for doing what? For doing what? Committing a sex crime, which it turned out that DNA evidence showed they are completely, utterly, and totally innocent of. The very same day that this fool is out here getting uh, 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 busted with this videotape, the same day he's telling people that he thinks that these five innocent young men are actually guilty. You missed that because there's so much going on with this lunatic. That these young, five innocent young, young men who spent years and years in prison, in part because he whipped up so much hatred against them in New York City, he says those people are guilty, and yet he's innocent. Notice how you can see criminality with young black men, innocent young black men, still seen as criminal by him and by others. And yet here is a sexual predator hiding in plain sight on his way to the White House, and nobody is calling him a criminal. Nobody is calling him a thug. Nobody is pointing out that the behavior that he is describing is unlawful. Then, if you want to get really deep with it, you know, look at how the term super predator, because I'm mad at everybody tonight, uh, super predator was being used, yes, by the Clintons and by others, including by some African Americans, all through the 90s. And yet you have a super predator running for president. What's more of a super predator than somebody who uses his power, his position, his physical strength to impose himself on women? This is, this is, listen, if this, if, if Donald Trump were an NBA player, hey, if Donald Trump were Tiger Woods, this would be completely, now everybody, oh, I'm appalled. I wonder why his apology doesn't seem to be very um, effective. Perhaps if he were to apologize in a more forthright way, um, I wonder, maybe some of the Republicans are going, I wonder if he'll drop out. I wonder if he's going to go to jail. How about that? Well, can we talk about that? Now, all, months ago, you had people who were coming forward and calling him the groper and this sort of stuff. And unfortunately, his kids, his kids came out and tried to defend him. Now, here's the problem. If you know you're dirty and you're doing dirt, then say, listen, I'm dirty. I did dirt. I don't do dirt no more. That would be sane. That would be rational. That would make some kind of sense. He doesn't do that. He's, I love women. I respect women. All these people out here just saying this stuff about me, and it's wrong. And then he gets Ivanka out there. My dad's not a groper. He's not a groper. He's not a groper. And he's bragging about being a groper on a hot mic. Now where are you going to go? It, it doesn't make any sense. So let me get back to my president, Barack Obama. This man had to be perfect beyond perfect beyond perfect. Uh, and they still, so they had to make up stuff about him. They make up that he is uh, a, 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 you know, a terrorist, uh, that he wasn't born here. 
um, and all this sort of stuff. This man has had has gone through three marriages, and please, please do not forget when he is on the air talking about all this stuff, and not just talking about quote unquote, you know, straying in his marriage, talking about uh, of, you know sexually assaulting people. This is three months into his new marriage. This is a remarkable development, but it's but the way that it's being talked about. Don't forget you had Richard Sherman. Don't forget Richard Sherman, a Stanford-educated African-American athlete who all he did was spike a football and talk a little trash. And we spent eight weeks talking about is he a thug and calling Richard Sherman, a Stanford-educated top athlete who all he did was spike a football, he's a thug. That word thug is interesting because you would think that if he a thug, if he's a thug, if spiking a football and talking some crap is, makes you a thug, what is Donald Trump? But you don't hear that word because it's become a racialized word. Somebody said that his wife was pregnant at the time. This is deep. The other thing is, you know, when you talk about and when you think about the situation that we find ourselves in now, you know, the racism, the se- listen, people, oh, well, why do these guys bring up race all the time, et cetera, et cetera. White privilege is amazing. And by the way, let's talk about male privilege. Let's talk about heterosexual privilege. What if Hillary Clinton was going around talking about grabbing folks' crotches? I mean, if it's all even, if sexism is, you know, don't play the gender card, don't play the race card, you know, that's just, I mean, we're sick of hearing that from you guys. Quit complaining. Okay, fine. If everything's even, Stephen, what if Hillary Clinton was running around grabbing folks' crotches? What, what, would we be having this conversation or would she be on the first ship to Mars? Okay, so male or female crotches. So we are in a world, it's not double standards. You're in quadruple, quintuple, exponential standards. I don't even know the math. I need a class. I need some calculus to figure out the number of double, 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 double stuff that's going on. No black man in America could be on this, in this situation talking about, yeah, I'm looking at the TV. No black man in America could be in this situation without the entire universe coming down on the whole black community, number one. And number two, no woman can even think about going around grabbing nobody's crotches and bragging about it, male or female. So this is where we are, and I'm frustrated because all year long you have seen the presumption of criminality for young black men. And no matter what you do, if you just slightly, oh, well, you know, he should have just given up the cigarettes. Uh, he should have looked this way, shouldn't look that way. He's a thug. He's a criminal. What's the cop supposed to do? Kill him. And then you have a confession to a sex crime by a prominent person, and nobody even sees it as a crime. They just see it as profanity. That's all they see. They just say, oh, well, he said he used lewd language. It's not the language. What if he had said it in a nice way? What if he had used, you know, some clinical term for what he was grabbing against somebody's will? Well, then is it better? You cannot see. This is why poor people, you know, they steal something. It's class two, class involved too. It's poor people. If they steal something, they go to prison forever. But if you're rich, you can steal on Wall Street your whole life. And nobody's mad. See, if you're poor and you use some, you know, you hit a blunt on the street corner, go to prison. But yacht clubs, country clubs, Ivy League schools, they're doing drugs all the time. Don't ever see a police officer. This is why we are upset. This is why people are marching. This is why people have to say Black Lives Matter. It's not just the hyper-criminality of African Americans. 
It's a presumption of innocence and non-criminality of white Americans, no matter what crazy thing they confess to. This is not an accusation. This dude is confessing. So I'm upset. I'm frustrated. I'm furious. This is ridiculous. If Donald Trump were black, he'd be up under the prison and the word thug would be all over the Internet, all over the TV. It, 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 would, be, it would be a wrap. And yet he's still somehow going to be treated as somebody engaged in frat boy behavior or locker room behavior. What frat boy behavior are black men allowed to engage in? What locker room conversation are black men allowed to engage in before they get called criminals? I'm done for now. You know, you got Rudy Giuliani out there making a hypocrite of himself on the, you know, having affairs is bad. Oh, well, you have to oh, well, everybody has affairs, right? Like me. Before I let you go, what did you mean when you talked about Monica Lewinsky and Hillary Clinton that if she didn't know what Bill Clinton was doing, she's too stupid to be president? What I meant was after the long, long history of Bill Clinton, Jennifer Flowers, Juanita Broderick, I don't know, 27 people making claims right. against him, including a settlement with one of them where it was obviously true. When she first heard about Monica Lewinsky, to pretend for five or six months that it was false. So she was wrong to stand by her husband? No, she was wrong to attack the victim. The are, woman are you says, the right person to level this charge? Uh, yeah, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the right person to level this charge because I've never made such a charge, and i prosecuted people who committed rape. But your past, you have your own infidelity, sir. Well, every, everybody does, and I, you know, I'm a Roman Catholic, and I confess those things to my priest. But I've never, I've never ever attacked someone uh, who's okay. been the victim, who's been the victim of sexual abuse. Not only that, I've put people in jail who've been the victim of sexual well, abuse, all right. well, and there's... I've never participated in that. And I, and I think, uh, and I think you're bringing up my personal life really is kind of irrelevant to what Hillary Clinton did. She's running for president. I'm not. A woman who pretends okay. to be a feminist shouldn't be taking money from countries where, right, Mr. Mayor. where, where women, where women are stoned, where women are uh, killed for adultery, where women can't drive. She's taken hundreds of millions of dollars from those countries. All right, Mr. Mayor, I will leave it there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I saw him on uh, Jake Tapper, and he was like, we all have these conversations, and Jake Tapper was like, no, don't include me in this, I have not had this conversation. Uh, so, right, but I yes, guess the question is, he's, he's, ta he's talking about actions that are sexual assault, uh, and he was 59 or 60 years old when he said it, this wasn't something that he said when he was 18 years old, he's, he's talking about a feeling of entitlement because he's a star, he can go up to women and grab them by the vagina. Uh, and it's okay. He won't get in trouble for it. It's really offensive on on just a basic human level. Who did yes, he do that is. to? Well, first of all, I don't know that he did it to anyone. This is talk. And uh, gosh almighty, you know, he who hasn't sinned through the first stone here. I know some of these people dropping uh, I will glad, I will gladly tell you, Mr. Mayor, I have never said that. I have never done that. I'm happy to throw a stone. I don't know any okay. man. I have n I've been in locker rooms. I've been a member of a fraternity. I have never heard any man ever brag about being able to maul women because they get away with it. Never. He, uh, uh, well, we've taken it to an extra degree, but in, 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 in any of it, we've taken it to an extra degree of what he said. But uh, the, the fact is that men t at times talk like that. Not all men, but men do. You've talked like that? He was wrong for doing it. I am not justifying it. I believe it's wrong. I know he believes it's wrong. I believe that this is not the man that we're talking about today. And maybe the reference to Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton is, 
the fact that you're really upset about this, but gosh almighty, there were awful lot of things, uh, particularly Hillary Clinton attacking the women who Bill Clinton uh, sexually assaulted, sexually abused, and she was the leader of the attack against him. So maybe he felt that that at least put in context uh, the kind of anger that there would be at him. Well, I, th I think a lot of those charges came out in the 90s, and I think they did offend a lot of people and continue to offend a lot of people. But Bill Clinton, as we've discussed, is not the nominee. Do, do we expect Donald Trump Whoa, this evening I, I wasn't, to go, to go I wasn't, after, to go after uh, the Clintons on this issue, on Juanita Brown? No, I don't, I don't expect him. I, 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 I certainly don't expect him to go after Bill Clinton, and you're absolutely right. You're correct. Bill Clinton's not the candidate. But Hillary Clinton's the candidate, and Hillary Clinton in many of those situations was either leading or part of the attack on the women who were telling the truth. And uh, I don't really know that that's factually that, accurate. I mean, oh, that is, I, that I is factually she accurate. Nasty thing. She, she said she said nasty things about Jennifer Flowers, but I've gone through and I've looked as to what she actually said and did. And I don't know that that's true, Mr. Mayor. Well, that is true. I mean, it, all you have to do is uh, read, read the books about that, those times and all the things that had to be done when Governor Clinton was running for president and the women that had to be visited. And uh, I mean, you'd have to be naive not to realize that that was going on. Plus the things that she said about Monica Lewinsky. I don't, I don't want to get into all that. But the reality is you can't, you can't sit there and say it's not true that Hillary Clinton was attacking these women. There, there are all sorts of quotes from her about it. And every, everyone who's dealt with the, even, even in George Stephanopoulos' book, he talks about it. Maybe you have yeah. Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. You're telling us something about yourself right now. Not don't include me on this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, I've been around people who've said some pretty, you know, some pretty weird stuff at various times. Mm -hmm. I think the difference is that they were not. They were talking like about stuff that was, you know, they were just talking. Like mm -hmm. they weren't talking about things that they'd actually done. Right. And number two, they were not people who were in any kind of a, a socioeconomic position to take advantage of other people or to defend themselves if they were ever taken to court for doing any of the things that they were talking about. Right. Um, and, yeah, and it does make you uncomfortable when people talk about stuff like this in this way. It's like, I mean, uh, Billy Bush played along and started acting like he was like Donald Trump's pimp when they got off the thing, and he's like, you know, why don't you give Donald a hug? Why don't you give Bushy a hug? Hey, walk between us. We love having beautiful women walking between us. It's like, mm -hmm. He basically knows that Donald Trump is talking about sexually molesting people without their consent. Like, I mean, like, so, yeah, he lost his job at, mm -hmm. you know, the Today Show. Good. Now what's the next step? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And somebody else pointed out, why didn't Billy Bush give this to his cousin, Jeb, Thank you. during the primary? Yeah, that could have ended sure, Trump a year ago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like you could have saved the Bush family. It's not personally yourself. You could have saved. Uh, and, and, okay, what? And maybe, okay, he looks bad, so he doesn't want to release it necessarily because he looks bad. What if you release the first part of it? Sure, maybe some entrepreneurial journalist digs up the rest of it, but maybe the the media is just so shocked by what they actually see that they're just like, oh, wow, oh, my God, here's what we've got. This is enough. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Donald Trump gets knocked out in round one of the Republican primary. Mm -hmm. if, if anybody is doing their opposition research out there, 
things didn't get this far. Right? Yeah, it's amazing that none of the other candidates dug this up. Uh, you know, besides Jeb Bush, even like it's like where was Ted Cruz's like private detectives on this? Like Donald Trump has been in the media for thirty years, and you couldn't have found any of this stuff. Apparently, there's a tape uh, from the first season of The Apprentice, an outtake of him saying the N word out there. So that may be still to come. Yeah. And I'm I'm extremely disappointed in is it NBC or whatever who did mm-hmm. the Apprentice and uh, what's the name of the guy Mark Burnett I think he also did Survivor and mm-hmm. kind of a Christian right wing guy himself yeah and you know NBC basically said well we can't release the tapes because we don't own them the producer of the show owns them they go to Mark Burnett he's like well uh, I can't release the tapes it's not my legal thing I'm like okay well journalist who has the authority to release those tapes. Everybody can't say it's not their job, it's not their responsibility, because if it doesn't belong to anybody, then release the tapes, Mm -hmm. you know? It's like, this is pertinent information that the American people deserve to know before they vote for an absolute maniac Mm -hmm. to be the president. It's like, so somebody needs to man up and say, okay, where does the buck stop? Mm-hmm. Who controls the tapes, and are they going to release them? And if they're not going to release them, they need to give a damn good reason why they won't. Right. Well, the the reason I've heard is that he makes everyone around him sign non disclosure agreements, and that he'll sue them for millions of dollars if they do release any of this stuff. But I've also heard people begging, like people like Mark Cuban and other billionaires, to like here, like provide legal defense for these people in case they you know get sued, and just let's let's be done with this guy. Although it's kind of sad though, because yeah. if some if they do release this tape of him saying the n-word i guarantee certain group amount of his supporters are going to be like yes finally somebody said something yeah i like him even more now <laughs> <laughs> yeah it might help it, it helps him shore up his, a certain part of his demographic yeah exactly but um but the thing is i mean like i mean seriously like mark burnett signed a non-disclosure agreement i don't know if i buy that mm. he's producing a show and donald trump makes him sign an nda mm. I I don't think so. It's like I, I don't I don't buy it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, at some point, like, um, and I don't I, I like I don't want to victim blame, but this kind of stuff has been going on with Donald Trump for how long? With how many women? How mm-hmm. many people? Decades. Where you know, and he's been and he's been running for president for what a year, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Nobody comes forward. I mean, I know you don't want to get sued by the guy and you don't want to be the only one, but here we are. We've got a, we've got a, uh, it, it's like, it's like, you know, it, it, like I said, it's like the Cosby situation. One person comes forward and everybody else comes forward. Uh, you know, I, we need one person. We All we needed was one person to come forward and say, hey, I may get sued by Donald Trump, but I will be doing a greater service to the American people by letting them know something that's very bad about this person, why yeah. they should be voting for. Right. Um, you know, as an American citizen, that may be part of my duty. It's mm-hmm. uncomfortable, and it may put me at personal financial risk, but... You know, and not just the victims, not just the women, but Billy Bush. You know, he's a newsman. He knows about the existence of this tape. He knows that it would be horribly damaging to Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. He knows that Jeb is getting slaughtered in the primary. Where where is anybody's sense of responsibility to say, hey, I know something really bad about this guy, and uh, the American people need to know it, too. Mm -hmm. They deserve to know it. Right. 
Well, like you said, though, I guess. Yeah. I mean, we can we can take some comfort in that the floodgates are open now, and and you know you read off that list at the beginning, and and a lot of that just came to light in the last like 12 to 24 hours here. So, you know, it, it, I think the floodgates are open, and I think we're going to see kind of an avalanche coming through of this. But yeah, it would have been nice if we'd had this a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, but I, I think some things that are that were very much public were the Howard Stern interviews that he's done various yeah, times. I mean, right. like you can go back, you can go on YouTube, and you can find like you can find the old Wesley Willis interviews with uh, with Howard Stern on on YouTube or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, like these things are out there. Uh, I've never understood. Like I've always thought, like if I were a celebrity and Howard Stern wanted me to come on his show, would I go? And I think the answer is probably hell no. I think he's a sleazy, disgusting bastard who's got a, you know, who doesn't have any shame. And, like, I mean, like, I don't understand why people go on there. Mm-hmm. Whether they're men or women. I mean, I can understand why a person like Donald Trump would go. I mean, but I don't understand why regular celebrities go on that guy's show. But, <clears throat> I mean, the things that he said on Howard Stern's shows should have been damaging enough. Like mm-hmm. the stuff about Ivanka being a piece of ass. And he's like, can I say that? And he's like, yeah, she's, she's very good looking. <laughs> or whatever he said. Really well-adjusted children. Mm-hmm. They're working hard. Don is in the business with me. Just graduated from the Wharton School of Nice Pioneer. kid. I, I met him. My daughter is beautiful. Ivanka, she... Mm-hmm. By the she, way, your daughter... She's beautiful. A, can I say this? A piece of ass. Yeah. She's Boy, she's, I would back up the Brinks truck. Introduce yeah, who's going to win that prize? You are the last person I would introduce. <laughs> I wouldn't foul her that bad. What are you doing? Come on. Uh, but the, Ivanka the is a great beauty. Like. She was a very successful model. And at 18, she stopped cold turkey, went to the Wharton School of Finance, got all A's, and she's been a great student. And she's now going to be starting in the business. And who's she seeing? Is she seeing a guy? She's got a boyfriend. Boy, you must hate him. Well, you know, it's your daughter. You know the story in daughters, right? And yeah, I nobody's do. good enough for your daughter. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see how it all works. What's the guy? Um, I mean, that that should have been the hint that this guy, in unguarded moments with certain people, he's going to say some pretty crass stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. the stuff is all out there. Right. So his opponents in the primary didn't do their jobs. No. And we said back then, we said all this stuff that's working against the other Democratic candidate or Republican candidates, it's not going to work so well in the general election, mm-hmm. right? And it's true. Like, I mean, I don't know if the Clinton people found it. I don't know who found the stuff at NBC, but uh, I think I read somewhere about it. They said they were going to release it, but they weren't going to release it until after the debate. Somebody else released it early. Well, Access Hollywood had it, and there was NBC sat on it for days, and then somebody who, and I, it was the reporter I mentioned in a previous podcast, David Farenthold from the Washington Post. He got a somebody gave it to him, and it was basically a race against time because they were going to release it, but. Turns out, Access Hollywood, when they were going to release it, was going to edit it. They weren't going to show the whole thing. So if he hadn't got his story out when he did, we might even not even know the full story. You know, if we'd left it to NBC and Access Hollywood to to deal with it. So, I mean, the cover up could have yeah. just continued. And that's yeah, that's more disgusting stuff about the the complicity of all these. You know, I don't know. I don't know what it is. If you're a media conglomerate, like maybe you feel like, well, we want to be on the good in the good graces of 
whoever the eventual president is. But, but you know, rich people, people who go to the same weddings as each other, people who give and take money from each other and get, do political favors back and forth, and mm-hmm. uh, big media conglomerates and, you know, producers of TV shows and people who have signed non-disclosure agreements when they've been involved with Donald Trump or even people that he had molested, like one or, one or two of the women that he molested in that list, they had gone back to him later for a job or they'd gone on to have a relationship with him later after they broke up with their boyfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, it is disgusting to see all these people who, you know, Donald Trump tries to take advantage of them and they don't, it, you know, for for one or two of those people, I think it does kind of hurt their case that they went back to him for a job later and he turned them down. And so mm-hmm. then it kind of comes out like sour apples or sour grapes or whatever. Right. They do come out and say he did this and this and this. Mm-hmm. And the the thing that disgusts me is that whether it's other politicians, whether it's people who are making and receiving political donations, whether it's the conglomerates or something, they all think that this guy, they don't want to tell the truth about this guy because they think that he can do something for them. Right. They think that he will in the future be in a position to do something for them or possibly to punish them. Mm-hmm. And that's the disgusting thing that, about the power and the money and the influence and the you know, the lack of justice, uh, if you want to call it the two-tier justice system for the rich and the poor in America. Mm-hmm. Exactly. This guy doesn't get held accountable because a lot of people think that he's going to do something for them or mm-hmm. he's going to do something to them, depending on how they handle the, the dirt that they have on him. Mm-hmm. And so the American people don't know the dirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's 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 a disgrace, right? It's a disgrace. Right. Well, I think people did give him a lot more leeway back when he was just a celebrity and not a politician, so maybe that was part of it. But now that he is in this position, yeah, we do have a right to know, I feel like, so Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, anyway, another another debate down. <laughs> One uh, more to go. to go as far as I know. Is that yep. right? That's it. Yeah. God that... help us. What's going to happen to the union? I got to I gotta get this podcast yeah, out as good. soon as I can in case uh, some more news breaks today. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think, I mean, I, I noticed the stories, more and more stories coming out later in the later afternoon and evening today. And I have a feeling that they're going to be in a new cycle in America today in a big big league. Big league in the uh, new cycle in America. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the world don't stop. We've got to keep, keep on, as Jay-Z once said. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, there's one, there's one more Trump surrogate on TV I saw the other day. Uh-huh. And they were asking her about the bad language, and she started talking about, what about Beyonce? Hillary Clinton likes Beyonce, and Beyonce <laughs> says something about, you know, when my, when my when man fucked me right, I take under red lobster. What the hell is this? This is disgusting, and I don't like hip-hop rap lyrics, and I don't like the bad language. It's like, lady... And support Donald Trump. You think they're already regretting it? Well, I think that they confirm the uh, impression of so many Americans that professional politicians are like rats fleeing at the first sign of trouble, and that's exactly what they were. So they may be hurt by this. The we'll first see. sign of trouble. At right. the first sign of trouble. <laughs> Not the first right. Sign. Well, <laughs> like, how many? How many times have we seen that behind her? But I want you to make another point Go too, because. I, I abhor lewd and body language. I don't listen to rap music. I don't like that kind of thing. But Hillary Clinton, when she expresses... Wait, wait you said 
rude and bodily rap Body music. language. I thought you said rap music. Body. I did. I mentioned yeah, rap music because rap it's music. full of the F word, the P word, the the B word, the A word, the I don't all, think anybody, listen, I got to say, I don't think anybody likes that, but those people are not running for president. Yes, but I wanted to point something out. Okay, go ahead. And which is that Hillary Clinton expresses that she finds the language on that bus horrific, but in fact, she likes language like this, quote, I came to slay, bitch. When he F me good, I take his ass to Red Lobster. Did she say that? That, that happens to oh, be a Beyonce line from Beyonce. That. Yeah, I know. That's Her Beyonce's. Her favorite performer, whom she says she idolizes and would like to imitate. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying to you? There's a lot of hypocrisy okay. in Hillary no. Clinton expressing such horror. Okay, Betsy. You could flip that around and say that's hypocrisy on the part of Republicans who are now who embrace, continue to embrace Donald Trump because we were supposed to be the party of moral values, of family values. And I know I've personally spoken out against lyrics like that. I actually Good. wrote something about it, and I've done that for years. And and so where so how do Republicans Look. maintain that moral high ground if they're saying I know you are, but what am I? They're worse. As much as, as I love hearing you. Either, but I'm questioning but Hillary Clinton. As much as I really liked it. hearing you say those, read those I lyrics. I <laughs> Beyonce's lyrics. <laughs> I'm try it again because I wouldn't quite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I'm a slave bitch. Oh but my he God. Me good as I take his ass to Red yeah. Lobster. Again, so again, I had, as much as I like you hear, like hearing you say that, Hillary Clinton did not say. Words. Donald Trump no, actually but she likes to said to the words that right, and that's <laughs> and, that's and as my mom would say, that's a horse of another another and color. And that's not advocating sexual assault. That's Beyonce talking about her husband in a song. It's artistic expression. Donald Trump actually molests people. So, again, the, 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 it's the moral bankruptcy of the Trump surrogates, you know, knows no bounds. So. Yeah, clearly. Anyway, parting, parting shot there. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Okay. Good note to leave it on. Yeah. But... <laughs> Anyways, all right, well, yeah. Well, anyways, again, sorry. I I know while we were reading, I was kind of rushing through certain parts, but it was just like I I kind of hastily scrawled some notes, and I'm trying to get through all the points we want to get through on there. But Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks again, Sean. Uh, we'll be back with you next week here for the uh, last, uh, last episode of, of this uh, election cycle, hopefully. So... <laughs> Oh, yeah. All right, people. Thank you for listening. If you've listened this long, congratulations. You're very patient. But, uh, <laughs> don't forget to vote. That's right. All right. Talk and to you later, man. If you're a Trump supporter, don't forget, as, as Trump told you, the election's <laughs> on the 28th. Yeah, I saw that. November. We're doing something that's incredible. It's a movement. But if we don't win, all it is is a little asterisk in history. There's never been anything like this. So go and register. Make sure you get out and vote November 28th. If you've already registered, request an absentee ballot today and vote really early. We've got to win. We're doing something that's incredible. It's a movement. But if we don't win, all it is is a little asterisk in history. There's never been anything like this. So go and register. Make sure you get out and vote November 28th. If you've already registered, request an absentee ballot today and vote really early. We've got to win. Yeah, don't forget, definitely vote on the 28th. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do it for democracy. <laughs> cool. All right, I'll talk to you later, man. Bye.